Hey Simpsons Index fans, before we get into the episode, we just want to tell you about our new project, Pulp Fury Radio, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, Pulp Fury Radio, it's our new anthology podcast series where we take the aesthetics of old radio and pair them with modern stories across a range of genres like sci-fi, horror, fantasy, mystery, and noir. Our first episode is out now, the alien sci-fi invasion horror story called It Came From The Bottom Of The Ocean but also from space. Go subscribe to Pulp Fury Radio on your podcast app and check us out on socials at Pulp Fury Radio. All right, now let's do the Simpsons Index. Woo! The Simpsons Index, an online spreadsheet that is also a podcast. This is the podcast. Coming to you out of SideQuest Studios, this is The Simpsons Index, episode 176. Hello out there, I'm your host, Elliot J. O'Neill, and joining me in SideQuest Studios is BT Calloway. No, hi, hi. And joining us all the way from Sydney, so not that far, but still far. Anyway. During COVID, <laughs> everywhere is far. Exactly. <laughs> from YouTube, Harrison by the stream is Harrison Angstrom. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, I really appreciate it as a longtime Simpsons fan. I, I really love this project overall. Because I, I think that you you have distilled such a distinct way to chart The Simpsons, as it were, better than most other websites and most people do. Because it's usually, you see the same things over and over again, that it's season-based and not episode-based. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is mm. this is the most scientific way to do this. <laughs> not it. objectively, but still scientific. <laughs> <laughs> and how do we do it? Thank you so very much for setting up my uh, pre-roll. It's The Simpsons Index, the podcast where we watch and review three episodes of The Simpsons at a time. But the twist is... Each episode must come from a different decade. But before we get into the episode reviews, Harrison, we like to ask our first-time guest, where did The Simpsons begin with you? What is your Simpsons history? Oh, man. So I think I think my, most Australians, it was always 6 o'clock on Channel 10, and I'm sure many mm-hmm. dozens, I would say, because you're already 100-plus episodes into this, dozens yep. of your guests will probably have said the same thing. The second Doctor Who makes a sound after Daria, you flick over to Channel 10 <laughs> and you hope, the, you hope to see Bart hit the fucking Homer's car and then yep. go right into an episode. I think the first episode I genuinely remember like having a proper impact on me i think i was seven or eight because i was born in 91 so i think the timeline matches up with this but treehouse of horror six i remember i i watched that episode and i got so upset uh during the homer in 3d section because he he couldn't go home because they have the cg model walking around downtown Mm, los angeles Erotic cakes and all. He finds erotic cakes, which as a seven-year-old didn't know what that meant. I'm pretty sure my parents were glad that they could explain to me that one, he got home, but also that The Simpsons was a fictional world. That and I, I, I'm such a huge Simpsons fan. Actually, one of my favorite pieces of memorabilia, I don't think I have it close to me right now. I remember when I was 12 or 13 and I got really obsessed with finding the addresses of celebrities and sending off fan mail to them. And the one person who actually ever sent me something real back was Dan Castellaneta. He signed a picture of Homer and it said all the best. And it's one of the coolest things I own next to um, a Rick and Morty issue one that Dan Harmon signed Mm -hmm. when he was doing Harmontown. I think it's also shaped a lot of my comedy. I think that that's that in itself is somebody who tries to be funny on the internet. And just as an animation fan, I think without The Simpsons, I think a lot of people wouldn't like a lot of the stuff that's coming out right now, whether it's like Close Enough, Solar Opposites, obviously right now, people can't see, but I'm in a Rick and Morty shirt. Uh, (laughs) And a lot of the people who were on early episodes of The Simpsons and eventually moved to Futurama eventually helped out with Rick and Morty. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it totally laid the groundwork. And, you know, last episode we watched the Tracy Ullman shorts and that oh, was God. even wild yeah. to see those, like, the beginning beginnings. Yeah, the seed of the seed. Yeah, and then pave the way for, yeah, all these great shows down the line. And, yeah, just uh, quickly, while we're on Rick and Morty, you actually had the privilege of being on on one of the very last Harmon Towns, didn't you? That was fucking wild. Because, like, again, I've been a fan of Dan Harmon since probably 2000 to 2003 everybody was using LimeWire but I was one of those cool hipster kids who used WinMX and WinMX had this huge treasure trove of like animated shows and just really obscure shit I I really loved Clone High early edition like all of these dumb shows that I would hear about through forums I would be like fuck I love space and then someone would be like you gotta check out Jam or I'd be like fuck I really like the Lone Gunman and someone's like you gotta check out Heat Vision and Jack and I found Heat Vision and Jack and I was like I know who Ben Stiller is, who is Rob Schraub mm-hmm. and Dan Harmon. So I was a fan of Harmontown for a long time, and I would go out to Los Angeles every single year. And I, I had friends who were Harmonians <laughs> who had also been on the show. One of my friends, Hooks, was in an episode that's actually kind of like uh, famous now. There's a clip of her talking about her depression on YouTube. And, like, Dan just takes her through, like, a meditation exercise, and she has, like, this breakthrough. Like, she literally cries on stage just wow. feeling that that she's she's validated and she can let things go. But being on that late episode, because I knew the show was coming to an end, so I was like, because yeah. that was my last trip to L.A., so I, I splurged like crazy. <laughs> I went to Adult Swim Fest, and I got these really bougie VIP tickets that, like, overlooked this L.A. stadium, and, like, two seats away from... Derek Beckles, who like created Carnage TV, and then like Justin Roiland and Joe Parra just sitting next to each other, like just drinking and like, and it was just it was the most like insane experience. And then two days after that festival, oh no, one day after that festival, it was the same weekend. The Harmontown was at like the Dynasty Typewriter, and uh, he did the usual call out that he hadn't done, and I think about like two years because when I started yeah. going there, it was at Meltdown, and he was like, "Who came the furthest?" And I was like, "I'm from Sydney." And they're like, <laughs> well, "Somebody's from Sydney. Let's get let's get that guy up here." And then we were all on stage, and it was it was just such a surreal experience that I just kind of just embraced it because I I remember I remember being so nervous if I got asked to be on in the early days because there were so many Armenians who would go up and just fucking just railroad the entire conversation. Like, just, yeah. like, not be fun. Like, and, and it's fine to not be funny. You can be sincere and you can be fun. But, like, people yeah. who were, like, really trying way too hard to be funny or they had, like, a cause that they were there to spruik but were, like, the worst spokesman for it. It was just, like, <laughs> it felt good. And I had people messaging me afterwards because they knew me from the subreddit. They're like, man, you were fucking great during that episode and stuff like that. It was, again, it was surreal. Nothing will ever top that. I think I peaked last year in 2019. It's all downhill from being <laughs> Like that, I mean, now you're on the Simpsons <laughs> Index. So I really. to be fair, I'm quite proud to be a part of like something like this. Like, I, like this is probably the second best Simpson thing to ever happen to me, next to Bill Oakley following me on Twitter. Like, that's holy That's shit. where you guys rank in my Simpsons Index. <laughs> <laughs> the Sandwich Man himself. Oh God, I love his reviews. So good. But yeah, I still remember when I was listening to that episode because I didn't know ahead of time. And then he's like, Harrison, Harrison. <laughs> I was like, that sounds familiar. And then all of a sudden, yeah, here's, here's old mate telling Dan Harmon with a phrase, we're not here to fuck spiders. Fuck spiders. <laughs> the craziest thing about that whole thing was I was dating a girl at the exact same time and she wasn't a fan of Dan Harmon. She didn't know any of this stuff. But I yeah. told her what happened and she listened to the episode immediately and then we were spending Christmas together and she got me a patch and it literally said, 
I'm not here to fuck spiders. And I'm like, where the <laughs> fuck did you find this? Like, where? Like, she's just like, oh, I spotted it. It's for you. It's great. It's like, I, I, I appreciate it so much. I don't have anything good to give you. I gave her a fire stick for Christmas. And <laughs> like, that, was, that was the imbalance of the relationships. Like, I got you something practical. I'm like your dad. Uh, <laughs> you like fire, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we should uh, hook back into yes. Simpsons chat as well. We are not here to fuck spiders. Uh, <laughs> we are here to review Simpsons. And we just watched an yes. episode from the HD era. This was season 24, episode 7, The Day the Earth Stood Cool. First mm. released in December of 2012. Oh, December, that'll come off later. Directed by Matthew Fornan, written by Matt Selman. In this episode, some hipsters move to Springfield and Homer makes friends, but then he doesn't. Guys, what did we think? I'm so glad you summarized the episode. <laughs> it certainly was an episode of television. Yeah. Past the time. I'm a little older now. I have seen images that that moved uh, or gave the appearance of motion by being shown in rapid succession. Full frames a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are your overarching <laughs> thoughts? Harrison. Oh, man. I'm so biased about this because there's just so many people <laughs> I fucking love in this episode mm, right. that I couldn't contain myself because I was a huge fan of Portlandia when it aired on IFC. And so hearing, I was like, is that Fred Armisen? And then the wife comes in and it's like, that's Carrie Brownstein. And then Pat Oswald yep. who plays the yeah. like. It was so good, and also, this is something I don't tell anybody, but I used to be a huge fan of the Decemberists. I literally have vinyl of the fucking singles, that's how big a fan I was. And no so seeing, <laughs> so seeing oh, that... them in an episode of The Simpsons, yeah. it was insane. To, like, if I watched this when this aired, I would have lost my tiny <laughs> hipster mind. But watching it in fucking 2020, it was just, it was like... <sighs> If it wasn't an episode of The Simpsons, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. I think that that's yeah. one of the tragedies of the HD era. And this, did you say Matt Selman wrote this episode? Yes, he did. Yeah, he's like an old school writer too. He did a lot of the teens episodes, like that transition from Good Simpsons to like pseudo Simpsons, like that that I think ninety nine to 05 era. He's written like at least a dozen episodes Oof. there. Yeah, he's a prolific writer in the Zombie Simpsons. It's hard to judge it fairly. There were definitely some parts of it that I liked. There were individual jokes that I really, really appreciated. I feel like the caliber to me of a Good Simpsons episode is a combination of three really good things. It's great structure that is tied into the jokes. It's a really good use of the characters, using them as a vehicle for the jokes, but then also for the storyline. And mm. then finally, like a really, really good setup and payoff from the first act to the third act. And this had none of those qualities. Nope. There was one thing which was, I think, was a joke at the end about not being able to do the man hug, which I thought was such... It was funny when it was set up, but when that was the payoff, I was like, this is not worth it. And the yeah. ending was awful. The ending was yeah. so awful. And yep. it's also been done in, like, throughout The Simpsons episodes, too. Yeah, and this, to me, was just such a great example of and then writing. Yeah. And then this, <laughs> and then, and then. And it doesn't, like, have that flow of, like... This happens, therefore this happens, because, yeah. like, yeah, let's hook into the episode at review proper. BT, we'll start with you. For better or worse, what's a moment that stands out to you? Uh, I'm going to really focus on the B story on this one, which is the whole Marge breastfeeding thing, because <laughs> it's 
weird and dumb. Like, this episode started, and I've seen this before, so I did lean to you, Gary, said just said, get ready to think about Marge's nipples more than you wanted to. <laughs> Which is, you know, a thing that inevitably then happened. But my problem really with it is that, you know, they have this thing of all these weird hipster mothers who are trying to pressure Marge into breastfeed and even threatening to take Maggie from her and do it. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird. And I, I, I could take that on, like, a wacky kind of level, but it concludes with Marge going, oh, I breastfed Lisa for nine months, and it's, like, got Maggie standing there looking at Lisa reading That's a book. That's such a at, fucked up joke. I yeah, could not believe that. Drooling in front of the TV, and it's like, your focus was these women are trying to tell Marge what's to do, and they're the bad guys, but in the end, you're saying, no, Marge should have breastfed. And it's like, you've taken the opposite sense of what the rest of the episode was doing. <laughs> And just, it feels yeah, like it, no... they, they didn't know what they wanted to do. So it's like, oh, then there's, ha ha, bye. Yeah. Exactly. There's no proper arc for her. Like, again, I'm not, I'm not a mother. I, do, I don't know if there are actual other benefits of breastfeeding compared to formula. But at least like in older episodes of The Simpsons, they would make that a part of the joke that someone would sincerely actually apply some actual like knowledge or education in there. And it just feels like it, none of that happened. But you're right. Yeah. That, that is the B storyline for this episode. Hmm. Because the other storyline like... is like the kids fighting. And then that's just like resolved by let's watch yeah, TV nothing. so by the wayside that it doesn't matter and it's like is that the only thing that could come up about hipsterism is oh, t- they breastfeed what like well, how, yeah. what's the connection here yeah I mean not that every episode needs to have a stance or a hill to die on but no. No, this no, episode no. just like keeps going from these little like yeah. mole hills and like making mountains not a hill to <laughs> die on but at least a nice hill to look at yeah <laughs> it's also like because I was thinking about this with this episode and another one we'll, we'll talk about at some point as well mm-hmm. coming soon the fact that Marge is weirdly conservative, but it also kind of makes sense. Because I was thinking of other episodes like Fear of Flying Mm. and Large Marge and stuff like that, where there are times she steps out of a comfort zone, and then it, like, that's just, like, your regular story arc. That's literally the Dan Harmon circle of having change. Like, they pay the price, they come back, they've learned something. But most of the time, some of that shit just doesn't stick. I feel like The Simpsons had a chance to really push the envelope on what it could do during the, the sort of the teen section, but they never really took advantage of that. And now they mm. kind of have to do these episodes, which are kind of nothing. Like they could have done yeah. a very interesting B storyline about breastfeeding, or at least the idea of like, again, there was just so many points that they could have had about hipsterism and conformity. Yeah. Or just about the yeah. idea of just this pressure from other mothers. That's a Oh thing. yeah. Oh, like the limitations of irony, which is explored for like mm. three seconds in the episode. Okay. And I was like, this is really good because there's a lot of jaded people who watch like adult animation like The Simpsons and South Park. Mm-hmm. And they kind of got the wrong message from it that they were just jokes. And now it's like, but again, they just brush over it completely. There's like nothing really substantial to hold on to except for like two or three of the jokes. It's kind of a bummer. No, and it's kind of this weird byproduct of The Simpsons sticking around, you know, into the 20 teens is that, Oof, that yeah. they feel extra out of place with these people who look like the average person you'd run into in Newtown, for instance. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. But it just felt like a series of ideas that they were pulling out of a hat from, like, leftover Portlandia sketches. Like, that would have also... such a waste of Fred Armisen and Carrie Brownstein who have such Mm. a huge range on that show. And again, it's a real wasted opportunity. Same thing with Pat Oswalt. It was just his voice. Like it was, I think you've got a good thing there. With it's an episode with just the handkerchiefs just keep coming out of the clown's oh, pocket. Oh god, yeah, that's, they're, a, that's they're a only loosely connected, but it just keeps going. You're like, yeah. okay, and and then and then and then and then. Is there a big moment from this episode that stood out to you for better or worse, Harrison? Two 
but for two very different reasons. So yeah. the two jokes that I really loved was the compost catching fire, not getting overturned. I oh, laughed yeah. so hard at that because it was so... It reminded me of classic era Simpsons of that one dumb joke that you could really get away with. And then, and then the one that was like, that kind of bummed me out was like, Marge not getting the onion and the onion being a mm. big thing. And when, when did this episode air again? Was it, did you say 2012? 2012. Fuck, it- man. Like, that's, that's such a bummer. And also the disco stew being daft punk is like yeah. such like a, again, it's like there's a punchline and there's a setup that they have mm. perfectly got there, but they don't know how to connect the two. And that is the problem with a lot of the jokes that I found. Yeah. In here, where it's like, I'm so there for this. It's like having the, the two cables that you connect to a car to get it running, and they've yeah. just yeah. put them on the wrong ends of the battery. That's what it <laughs> felt like over and over again. And every joke was like that fucking, gah, 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 like just trying to turn the key in the car. And it's like, come on, I know you can work. Let me get there. Let me get to the joke. Like, that's all I wanted out of this episode, was just that I, constantly for 20 minutes. And I, when I was looking at Disco too, I was like, ah, oh, the line is so obvious. He's looking so much better, faster, stronger. God damn it. Oh <laughs> <So> my God. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so good. There's also another joke where Homer's talking about all the shit that he isn't cool for, and he mentions, mm. I never went to college. You did yep. go to college. There's yep. an episode there was an called Homer episode college. about it. And it's implied you go back at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know we shouldn't take the continuity for what it is now. And uh, th- no. I, there was another really great line where it's like, I only know David Cross from the Chipmunk movies. I laughed so <laughs> fucking hard at that. Again, it's like, it's a few jokes that are great, and but it doesn't make for a great episode. Because, I mean, obviously, I feel like I hold The Simpsons to a higher standard, and I'm, I'm glad that you have the format of the show, because you really do see The Simpsons over time, and that it, it is like degradation. It's like figuring out the ongoing costs of a car, and I, I, think, I think that Fox <laughs> figured that out in the early 2000s, to be honest. Well, yeah, and the thing that stands out to me from this episode because of that is that it just does feel like a big list of ragging on hipsters, which I'm all for, but at the same time, it's kind of been done. So you do need to have like something solid to anchor it down. And to me, it's just, it comes off as a list of just bizarre, wacky hipster shit. Like, my big yeah. fuck off moment was at the end where they've got the milk barrels and the oh our net of scarves and wallet chains is hot. It's like fuck off. I, I thought on. that was a you, pretty you funny literally joke. Flipped I off thought... the television. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, I, do that I, often. I thought that was a creative way to end the episode. I didn't like it, but I thought like oh that's I mean that's kind of tying in the things together that Homer changes. Like it's it's no, kind of good. Tiring. I just think it's good enough payoff. But, uh, but I mean yeah. to me like hipster chains belong to you know skater punks and. <laughs> Exactly. Hankers Hank belong to cowboys. And having Patton Oswald, like you said, and it's this weird thing that they keep doing where they have grown-ups voicing. That is not the voice of a child. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's... Hello, children. I'm nine years old. <laughs> oh, puberty. I went through that at age five. Like, <laughs> Let me tell you the story, Byron, about the Chipmunks Christmas soundtrack and what happens when you slow the record down. Like, it's just it's like the worst fit. Like, and I love Patton. I love Patton so much. Yeah. I do think he's a great voice actor when he's like playing a very sardonic character, which he technically does. If we... This is one of my favorite things is like watching these episodes, because I've tried to write a Simpsons episode. When I, when I lived in Melbourne, there was a good friend of mine, and we wrote we wrote two Simpsons episodes that we were gonna like use as like a package or like a packet yeah. that you that you send as screenwriters. And it was so easy to come up with a Simpsons episode once you figured out the formula. And I think a better one of this would have been 
not the relationship with Homer and fuck, I can't even remember the character's name with Fred Armisen. <laughs> it yeah. would have been so much better if Bart and Lisa befriended two new kids from school and they mm. change the dynamic of the school because I think that that's more interesting and funnier. And then you bring in the hipster things, but they're like kids' versions of hipster things. So you mm. still have an element of parody that makes sense, and you still have a level of creativity. Because I just I didn't really feel like the connection that Homer had was genuine and funny at the same time. I, I yeah. liked the setup because the setup is very similar to Homer Palooza where he yeah, feels yeah, like uh, he's losing his edge. Or just he's feeling like an old man. And I do like the little drawing he does of, see how cool oh, I am. That's so funny. Even a card that says like rap music. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. And then like him using the cups to find a donut cart is such a very, it's a very Simpsons joke now. Like it's an old, yeah, like cops like donuts. Like that's just a stereotype yeah. before, yeah. you know, cops shoot innocent black people is the punchline. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, getting into the wackiness of this episode, you know, we like to yeah. talk about the more cartoony moments and, yeah, I do love the ridiculousness and the just the overuse of copters and all that. I don't think they stuck the landing with the joke, though. Once Homer no. and Wiggum found the car, yeah. I found all that. I, mean, I kind of like Wiggum's line of, uh, when you find yourself saying, what have I become more than once a day? You gotta... <laughs> but then the out of there is like, you got to wonder what you've become. Yeah. yeah. I, I like yeah, it's... the idea. It, it doesn't quite land there. Again, it's g- 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 it's that exact same thing yeah. where it's like you needed an a, like one extra rewrite, one extra taking it through the writer's room. Like it felt mm. because obviously what they were doing was like, well, what if Springfield was Portlandia, which is mm. fine. But the joke about Portlandia is that everything is so ridiculous and exaggerated. And because Springfield is already an exaggeration yeah. of middle America, you kind of can't put it's like a hat on a hat. It's like you yeah. kind of can't yeah. put those layers together without it sort of like crunching against each other. Yeah, my like there hat was is one... iron- ironically wearing a hat now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> my hat has a fucking mustache on there, but it's a picture of like a finger mustache. Like that's like the level of jokes. And I also thought, I don't know if anybody ever saw the, this movie. I think I think it's a Noah Baumbach film while we're young. It felt like a parody of that film, but without any of the emotional beats. It's like Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller and I can't remember the name of the actress. They befriend Meryl Adam Stoke. Driver and his wife. And they're like, oh, well, we're like 50, but we have kids, but we want to be hipsters. It just felt like a parody of that, but like a very... the exact same thing. Yeah, Yeah. it was like a week. It was basically that exact same storyline, but it just felt like none of the jokes were landing. It it was kind of a bummer. Although I do want to say, like, two of my favorite references, one of them which I loved and got, and the other one which was just way too confusing, was the (laughs) Miyazaki parody they had in the middle of the episode was so perfect. I loved that. I did want to make the quick note on that one, because the kids watching it, dubs, not subs. (laughs) 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 I mean, everything about that family felt poser-ish to some degree. I think that that was like, I don't know if anybody's ever watched, there's a talk David Foster Wallace did about the limitations of irony. And about the fact that, like, hipsterism was, like, the tippy top of that. And then we kind of, like, just fell into this crevice of, like, hey, we can all be cool and we have our own niches and there's a sentimentality, which lasted for, I guess, four years. But it was also, like, there was a joke that I am so happy for anybody to explain. The dad was talking about naming the armadillo Chewy, but he said American Chewy, not Mexican Chewy. I don't get that. He said Mexican Chewy, not Star Wars Chewy. Sir, what's Chewy what? mean in Spanish? Oh, <laughs> is it short for Chihuahua? 
I don't no, know. But I, quick, yeah, exactly. Quick, I was just like, I was gonna look it up in the meantime, and I was like, ah, these guys are smart. They'll they'll get it. They'll, yeah, they'll... heaps smart and very well researched. <laughs> but just going back to your point before, like, it is interesting. I got Fred and um, fuck, Carrie. They got, yes, yeah, yeah, they got Fred and Carrie in to do this because yeah, they are so good at doing like character voices on Portlandia, and they're just doing a beige performance here. Which yeah, it's is just their voices. Odd. Yeah, it it yeah. feels like. There was, um, I don't know if you know Psychic Pebbles and Oni, Oni and Gia's. I don't know if you know who they are. They're nah. a pair of animators who, um, they did an interview and they were talking about the, the problem that American or Western animation has at the moment is that they're hiring people more based on their celebrity rather yeah. than, and like, and like who they are. And the same thing can be said about voice actors is that it's this weird thing that kind of was happening in like the early 2000s that DreamWorks kind of kicked off with Ants to some degree where Disney was still making animated films but they would hire extremely talented voice actors that would fit the roles that they had but meanwhile DreamWorks was like we're gonna get fucking Woody Allen we're gonna get fucking Sharon Stone we're gonna get fucking Sylvester Stallone we're gonna put him in this Ants film and they kind of yeah. kicked off this thing with animation where it's like nothing can kind of get green lit or nothing can kind of go forward without celebrity voices it's kind of how like tentpole films are kind of set up in Hollywood as well and the same thing kind of comes with this animation stuff is that rather than trying to think of a character or creating something original they're just like okay so just be like a slightly heightened vo version of yourself and that's exactly yeah. what kind of happened mm. here it's kind of a bummer that the first time i noticed that was like um god there's an episode where mo gets a girlfriend and she's voiced by helen hunt yeah. But she's barely a character. Helen Hunt is one of the greatest, like, comedic film actors of all time. And she's, again, just a beige performance, like you said. It's just it's just nothing. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, do you have some answers from the Google? Uh, the best I got from Urban Dictionary is Chewy is actually a nickname for people with the name Jesus, as in Jesus in uh, Mexico. So oh. you, might, you would say Chewy instead. So he's called his armadillo Jesus. Mm. Oh, it's still, okay. If that's right, it's a bad joke. That's a bad joke. That's like, oh man, I remember like when I used to do stand up and shit and it's just like, again, if there's a reference you get, but the audience doesn't get, that's on you, buddy. Like that's, yeah. that's, oh man. You shouldn't have to do homework to go to a comedy night. Exactly. Like, oh man, I used to know this comedian who like, he was a lot older than everybody else and he had this one punchline that he would do and it was from like an obscure song from the seventies and it would never hit. It would never, yeah. ever, 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 ever hit. And I would just be like, dude, just take it out. It's one line. Just take the yeah. fuck out. It, again, every single time. Kill your darlings. Is the, oh, is it bummed me out so much. No oh, matter man. what your art medium is, kill your darlings. <laughs> Did we oh, have anything else about the wackiness to mention? Why, do, why the fuck does Marge have 50 gallons of formula? <laughs> <laughs> again, this could be a line. Like, I bought it on sale when... Krusty went out of business or something like that. I don't yeah. know. But There's it's a just, price break of 40 gallons. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, you know, it never goes out or something like that. I don't know. but just Yeah, there's so many great setups for this this stuff. Okay, as long as we're talking about references I didn't get, there's a bit where, you know, all the stores are changing to the hipster stores and, uh, you know, the Android's dungeon turns into Tashin, Tashkan, whatever the hell I'm pronouncing it. Yeah. yeah. And Nelson runs in and goes, Butts! It, is this bookstore known for butts? It's uh, from my understanding. I remember the first time I went to LA, and I was. I'm going to in... Google Tashin and butts. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, I'm trying to think of like where I saw it, but there was a bookstore that's Tashin. It's like an artisanal bookstore. Right. It has like a lot of like. I think that I think that's right. I remember passing it and just being like, oh. Well, I'm not going to go in there. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't, I can't. The other joke I did not get was uh, King Toots turned into King Toke's medical marriage. What what's that? 
What? <laughs> There's a uh, one joke I really loved was Marge telling Maggie to play along during the, the breastfeeding yeah. scene. Yeah, and I, like, that was... oh yeah, glug glug glug. Also, I will say this about this episode and another one we'll talk about. Uh, they give the best lines to Sideshow Mel every time he turns up into it in an episode that I've seen recently because I sometimes watch just random episodes on like streams and stuff like that that like Russians are watching, and it's just like <laughs> he'll just say one thing very theatrically, and it's like it's just really funny. And it's because of how he says it. That's all it is. It's like when Dave Callan had that bit on, like, Rove's old TV show where they just give him random shit to say, and it's like, that's funny because of your voice, man. We can't do anything about that. <laughs> I found a solution. So apparently oh. there is the Little Book of Butts, published by Tashin Books. Ah. The Big Book of Butts, by Tashin Books. <laughs> Diane Hansen's Butt Book, published by Tashin Books. And just Butts, <laughs> huh. by Tashin Books. Oh. So, okay, well, that's, that, can you, th- can you, a thirsty, thirsty, thirsty bookstore. Add all to cart. Put it oh. on the Simpsons Index credit yeah. card. Yeah, yeah, you guys can write this on I my tax, right? I express postage, dude. Yeah. Don't worry. Got butt it's, tax. It's recent. <laughs> but how about the uh, emotional... The big book of British butts. <laughs> um, but how about the emotional core of this episode? Did we feel any bumps from our hearts? Fucking cock slap, no. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say... No, no, you go first. No, Elliot, you go first. Oh, I was just about to say, I do like the setup with this episode of Mm. Homer. Like, it's well-trodden ground, but Homer feeling insecure about being old, and I like... Oh, it's very funny. It's very, very funny. But I like the avenue of, yeah, the new style of donuts coming in, and I think all the elements were there. And just being exciting to him, because it's like new donuts, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a very 2012 thing. I remember seeing, like, artisanal donuts, although the only two times I've ever had artisanal donuts, the first one... It gave me gastro, and, and oh, yeah. then the second time, it was just way too expensive to justify ever again. So I just feel like, from an emotional standpoint, looking at Homer as a character and how he's kind of grown through through the years, because this is what, season 24, you said? This is twenty. This yep. episode 24-7. <laughs> the way that it's set up is great. It's I literally put down the note, that was a great first act. I was actually mm. really psyched to watch this episode, and then once I got to the second act, I was like, oh, this sucks, and all of these jokes okay. are really bad. They even have a solution to their own problem because later on homer's all like no parents have to be lame to give their kids something to rebel against so yeah. they get to be cool so they get someone pregnant and then they become uncool parents to give birth to cool children and yeah. so he's kind of come to terms with his own lameness well after without any kind of real provocation that's really annoying these character flips just they happen on a hairpin man mm-hmm. like, yeah because he doesn't a... learn anything no it just felt so weird because i thought the crux of the episode was him thinking Bart and Lisa not thinking he's cool. Like, he's worried about aging and not being cool, but then he literally just starts to copy a dad's model. But then there's no negative repercussions of that. I even thought there was going to be a part where uh, baby Patton Oswalt, he takes a photo of Homer... And he calls mm. him a poser on his Tumblr, because that's when Tumblr was big, obviously, before Yahoo bought them out. And there's no, like, nothing happens. I thought that was going to be, like, the line drawn before Bart attacks T-Rex. Yeah, that was, like, that just the gauntlet name. thrown down, you know? Yeah, I- like, that would have been a more interesting storyline of, like, Homer going viral for being a poser, and then having the whole second act, him proving he's not a poser, would have been so much funnier. Yeah, well, having... This Bart stick up for Homer. I thought that was a nice sort of moment in the mm. story, but that was really good to have Bart immediately forgive the kid and go, "Ah, oh, my dad's lame anyway." And it's like, yeah, why wasn't it Bart sticking up for Homer, who's like blindly liking these people who yeah. are uh, making fun of him? Like, 
Yeah, it's yeah, just because the, weird. the only person who warms to the family other than Homer is Lisa. There's literally a mm. scene where she's reading Asterix comics in that dude's bedroom. And like, again, there's, there's the fucked up thing, I think, that I really had a problem with, except it's kind of resolved in the last line, is that Lisa like has some of these attributes already because she's mm. always been the counterculture of the Simpsons. But there's also like, I think it's literally the last line of the episode is, I will find you. Like yeah, I, like, I, yeah, like no, you aren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like other than two other scenes where she thought they were great, which is the compost joke, mm. and yeah, the asterisk thing. There's yeah. nothing else that kind of reflects that Lisa was kind of into their parenting style. And again, their parenting style, other than the breastfeeding thing, is just so vague. They don't yeah. even tell you how they raised T-Rex, who I think is more of a problem than the breastfeeding thing to some degree. Like he's gonna mm. he's gonna grow up like me in my early twenties being really jaded and possibly a little bit of an incel. Like yeah, there's just... I do kinda like the bit where Bart just goes, Why do you think everything is lame? He's like, I don't even know. It's just he's yeah. been grazed in this area exactly yeah, just yeah. of cynicism and an irony that uh he doesn't even know what he does like. So I kinda like the payoff where you know, Bart shows him TV and then he's like acting like a kid. He wants to go to, you know, Krusty Burger and get a toy and get a Big Mac or whatever it is. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Krusty, partly non gelatinated, <laughs> frosted beverages. Gum based. Gum based beverages. Gum based beverages. <laughs> but yeah, I think other than the point that, that you made, Elliot, about, yeah, Homer coming to terms with, I guess, his, his mortality and lack of coolness, that there, there could have been so many other things that they, they did set up, but they just never paid off. From like a message standpoint, emotionally, it just yeah, it was kind of a bummer that the second act was just all over the place because it was just reference after reference, and then like you said, the storytelling, and then this happens, and then yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. and then the third act is just I was ch- I like by the time the fight happened because I checked myself both this and 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 another episode we'll talk about I checked when the act breaks were and I'm like Jesus mm. Christ dude <laughs> I think we got right before the second act and I think we were like 15 minutes in and I was like I already can't take six minutes more of this <laughs> it just bummed me out so much <laughs> yeah oh you really feel the time but uh, we also like to ask did it feel like an episode of The Simpsons were the characters like behaving like themselves uh, is this the show we know and love I mean sort of Lisa getting into a thing and Homer getting caught up in a fad and feeling insecure but again it feels like one of those things where The Simpsons writers know know this is a thing they know hipsterism is a thing yeah they don't know what to do with it so they're just going to put it in in the most surface level way possible yeah and to use you know an overused thing you know it feels a bit old man yells at cloud it's just they <laughs> they don't really know what their target is it's mm. just listing off yeah hipster crap which gets so exhausting by the end of it it's just like i think the thing that i i remember about that period which was like 2009 to about mm. 2012 was like yeah. just this time where even people who were hipsters because I, I was in a goddamn writing course at uni during that time mm-hmm. and people were the most insufferable you could ever be about writing and the thing <laughs> is is that most of them just didn't care like we would i remember like me and my friends we would have writing sessions or workshop sessions with them and we would point out the fact that like like, hey, like, you might like this reference, but you're going to need to explain it more. We're not saying that the reference is bad. It's just the fact that we don't get it. So therefore, like, your your metaphors, like, really yeah, poorly set lost. out. Like, it, it's getting lost. And also, like, there's too much here that you've manufactured around how cool you are. And you <laughs> haven't told a story. You haven't yeah, given yeah. us any characters to latch onto. You don't give us any emotional depth. So therefore, we can't engage. 
Like, as an audience, you have not given us a contract to sign. You've given <laughs> us the script to Star Wars, which you've coloured in highlighters, and we don't, <laughs> we do not appreciate that. And, no, but I absolutely. think that the thing about hipsterism is, I think that it came and went so quickly because I think people will make fun of like dubstep or emo or like the yeah. like other genres or other other sort of like cultural groups but at least they had an effect on society i think hipsterism yeah. kind of came a, and went to no avail to be yeah, honest yeah there was a very accurate thing that was said about hipsterism and i can't remember who said it now but it was basically that hipsterism didn't create anything as in everything was reflective of things that came before or it was exactly retro, or it was irony it wasn't making anything new like if you think of what defines a hipster band it's not a particular sound it's obscurity yeah and you can't have obscurity be your genre yeah exactly because that means you don't have anything that resounds in the cultural like echo chamber so if you have a, a genre and you were defined by it you at least make a noise that people are like oh i recognize that as blank yeah, and as then at some point or jazz or emo yeah, or whatever like, else yeah, well, I mean, at least I can thank the hipster movement for one thing is the beard care products, which, yeah, I <laughs> uh, uh, thank my artisanal hipster beard waxes for keeping... That's true. I have, I have a set. My, my girlfriend bought me some, and I'm like, once yeah. I have a beard again, I will use that, and I love you. Like, <laughs> I thought your moustache was looking particularly luxurious, yeah, but... Right. <laughs> yes or no, would you watch this episode again? Not really. There's not nothing else to pull from this. Genuinely, the only reason I would watch it again is if I was making a video essay about Portlandia and be like, and then they turn up in The Simpsons, and that would be it. It would be a three-second clip, and it would be it would be the joke about something smells like compost and Cuban movie posters. That's our house! Like, that, yeah. that that's the line that I would draw in watching it again. Oh, and I just realized Simpsons was on Portlandia as well with Matt Groening and the guy that's who right. did the Bart Scampson. I'm a rude yeah. boy. <laughs> <laughs> Eat pant. <laughs> it was like that. Yeah, this guy makes this shirt and Matt Groening sues him because the design is just horrendous. Like, nah, for me, it's always going to be Monster Factory making Bort Sampson oh, in Black right. Desert Online. It's just like Bart. <laughs> I mean, uh, to be fair, that's the weird thing about Simpsons overall is that it, because of its time when it was created, it is a product of irony, but mm. it has kind of like gone all the way around. There's a great article, I, th I think Vox wrote, about Simpsons memes and how mm. it kind of turned into this really absurdist concept, even to the point where Simpson Wave became a huge thing in like yeah. 2015, yeah. where people were taking Vaporwave songs and using really depressing and almost like <laughs> traumatic clips of the Simpsons earlier seasons, and they'd cultivated a whole culture of it. I, I think that it's to have it defined by its irony would be limiting it to something. It would make it really it's a boring. Deep, deep well to draw from. Yeah. <laughs> BT, yep. what would you like to change about this episode? Um, my main thing is that I think you could have brought Mr. Burns in a bit earlier because he is all old timey yeah. and they do it like the over the credits bit. And it's like that could have been your crux that turns them against. Maybe these people really initially like Mr. Burns because he is old timey and he's he, they'd enjoy him in an ironic way until he starts taking them for all they're worth and possibly stealing their kidneys. That's I don't so know, something good. there. Like, the second he was on screen doing this kind of old timey nuclear fission thing i was like this should have been in it yeah this well this idea not that exact thing but mr burns in general should have been part of this what about you I, harrison what do you oh reckon man should that is such a great 
setup. That is a much better setup for this episode. Like hipsters move in, and they they look to Mister Burns in his old ways as like a way to live. And then it's like, wait, you're capitalism. Like like uh, <laughs> like he's, he even has well, weird steampunk like <laughs> machines. Yeah, yeah. It's also that ad reminded me of every shitty ad. Like that that sort of. I hate to use the term, but that that woke advertising that like yeah. all the energy companies do, where it's like, hey, we've decided to make everything. I mean, just a slightly bit different. But what we've done is we've pulled from 16 different stock advertising archives yeah. and we've made sure we have a very calm male or female voice. Because yeah. don't worry, like, come on. we'll take your money. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's just How like, many it's ads so... are doing that right now? It's like, oh, you know, we've noticed it... everyone's staying home a bit more. In these That's why we haven't times. changed a damn thing about our product. <laughs> Bye, oh, you man. bitches. Electric Piano 1 <laughs> setting on Casio just having a field day on those fucking ads. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like a Drake track is about to start every time I see one of those fucking ads. <laughs> In terms of what I would change, I think, oh God, that Burns idea is such a fucking good idea for an episode. Let's what I would change, first act, if we kept that all the same, second act, you have Homer like figure out new parenting ways and then just do it poorly. And then the the lesson of the episode is that you can't be a cool dad and a dad at the same and a time. Good dad, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And he, he like sees the limitations of that and how discipline and like also T-Rex is so fucked up as a kid. Like of course like you <laughs> wouldn't take advice on that shit. And then the final act is realizing that he can be cool and dad. It's just separate worlds. Like it's just the fact that like he does stuff that is cool. Like for example, he pays the bills and keeps things. Yeah. Like there, there is like a like, real lesson. Or even they're basically telling T-Rex what he likes, whereas Bart is, you know, figuring it out for himself. And you know, like you can't. Yeah, like independent thought and like getting mm. cultural influence isn't always about shit from obscure references. You can still be into pop culture yep. and still find obscure ways to celebrate it. Like The Simpsons. I feel like like even yeah. just like this podcast. Like I think that's a better grander message to create stuff and to embrace the things that you love sincerely rather than just be like a dick like everybody. Wow, we're on the cutting edge. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, because that yeah, the leads into what I'd change about it. I wish it was more about. Yeah, people doing this, they like what they like and more mm. outward expression of it. And I'd sort of like to see that reflected in the town. You know, you mentioned Sideshow Mel before. Of course, this is absolutely his scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, totally. Because you know, yeah. he's I, a very intelligent, articulate man with a lot of, like, weird interests. Yeah. Total thespian and all that. Mm. Yeah, he'd love it. And, like, then also... Yeah, some of that them seeing the value in people like Burns or like Groundskeeper Willie or something. Oh, God, yeah, that's so authentic. Artisanal haggis. Ooh, I must try. (laughs) Um, But also, okay, not that this is what I do. If we're doing this, like, hipster invasion, you know, everyone from Portland is moving to Springfield, then fucking do Fred Armisen and Carrie doing multiple characters like in Portlandia. Lean into that. Like It would be so funny them doing Simpsons characters character voices like having yeah. them replace <laughs> characters would be just so fucking because fred armison is a weird fucking dude like fred armison is the kind of person who can be into obscure shit and make fun of it and mm. also like be aware of like how it affects or how it doesn't affect the popular cultural zeitgeist over well comparing to what he plays in this episode is just so dull and yeah. ca- he's still a character but even again i can't i can't remember the character's names could not no, tell you i can remember t-rex because it's funny yeah yeah 
Oh, and I loved that jacket. I kind of want that patch of uh, what it was. was Dino cool. cool. (laughs) Dino cool. Uh, All right, we're here. BT, do you have any other notes about Uh, this episode? As always, I do like uh, Homer's line where he's like, oh, the house next to me is for sale. They keep lowering the price every time I go out to pee. Yeah. That was a good little didn't over-explain it kind of moment. T-Rex's room has a West Ham United banner, and I like this solely because West Ham comes up in the IT crowd, and I never want to find out if this is a real team. I like it too much as fiction. The one line I did also really like was uh, when Marge is caught bottle feeding and she like threatens the other mothers with the bottle. Yeah. It's like, I'll use it. You'll know I'll use it because you just saw me using it. <laughs> Which is uh, a bit I really liked. And also the, when uh, T-Rex and Bart are fighting, the indie rock band starts playing an indie rock version of like the Star Trek battle theme uh, yeah. when oh, Kirk yeah. and Spock are fighting. So I quite like that as a reference. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Harrison? Any other bits from this episode you want to mention before we rank it? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll literally mention only three bits. Lisa noticing the obscure card games in T-Rex's yeah. room was a f- that just a real good joke. I knew way too many fucking people like that in 2012. <laughs> it was just like, that was their person. That and, like, shitty PS1 games was their entire personality. I'm like, oh, cool, I can't wait to watch you play Tomba. That's real dope. Um, Protozoa Records, that was a great shout-out to Amoeba Records. I think that was a good joke in there yeah. as well as... Uh, one joke I absolutely hated when they're fighting they step over the there's a DJ there and they step over and they break his vinyls and it's like why would you have a band but also a DJ like it's just it's like (laughs) and the band's playing it's just it feels like they wanted to make a joke about vinyls which actually would have been fantastic to do during the sequence where they change all of the shops in Springfield and it's just like oh okay all right, I guess like it's Again, you kind of just have to go along with it at mm. a certain point, which is kind of a bummer. Like, it's just like, I, I never think about that with, like, the old Simpsons episodes. I mean, that's yep. kind of yeah. how it is. No, absolutely. And a couple of, yeah, my final notes. Um, Yeah, I liked Homer's line about, I think Van Halen just keep getting better. <laughs> Sorry, and I was trying to re- interpret one of my older notes, and it was, yeah, Homer with the duck spread. I liked the oh, idea that joke. the ducks were... As soon as he sits down, the duck's like, oh, an old man. He's yeah. like, I don't have I'm bread. <laughs> I don't think they exactly stuck the landing, no. but uh, as a joke, I loved it. Yeah. All right, yeah. it is time to rank this thing on the Simpsons Index. We rank using our six-point scale, which starts down the bottom at failure. Maybe if the episode was just, nah, you give it a participant. But for the positive rankings, you got OK Bronze, Good Silver, Excellent Gold, but for the best, of the very best, the episode episodes which the Simpsons could not exist without, you give Cubic Zirconia. I'm going to go first. Let me show you how it's done. I'm going to give it a participant. Actually, in the review, I was realizing, oh, yeah, there's a handful of jokes that I like, but watching it was just such a miserable experience, (laughs) but it never got quite bad enough to be a failure. BT. Yeah, I was never miserable. I was just okay with all of it. Everything I liked, I remembered liking, and there are a couple of lines. Nothing really dragged me down on this one. I don't really like Marge's beef plot, but it doesn't take up too much time, and it's just lackluster more than anything, sir, participant. All right, and Harrison, finish it off. Man, I really wanted to give it a bronze. I really, 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 really wanted to give it a bronze just because of who's in it. Mm. But I, that does not make an episode. The jokes were okay, and I could give it a bronze for that. But overall, it's a meh episode. It's a participant at best. It's a participant mm. plus at best, <laughs> which is a shame. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a shame. Waste of some good talent. Yep, and Ugh. unanimous participant. It'll be the third episode from season twenty-four to be given a unanimous participant. It'll be joining pulpit, pulpit friction. Name I have so much trouble saying mm. when uh, the cool new deacon or yeah. pulpit rather takes over from 
Reverend Lovejoy becomes a... It would be the deacon. A, ah. The pulpit is the part where the priest stands. Oh, right, right. And Reverend Lovejoy becomes a spa salesman or something. Oh, yeah. And also what animated women want where <laughs> Millhouse gets into negging and, like, it works on Lisa. <laughs> oh, shit, I gotta watch that episode. Watch, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching Millhouse fucking do some... Uh, oh, God, what do they call that community? Like, MGTOW... Fucking the game Neil bullshit. Strauss, that's the game, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Fully that. <laughs> All right, oh, guys. Now man. we're going to move on to the teens era where we're going to watch an episode called The Wife Aquatic. BT, what is this episode? Uh, it's basically Shape of Water, but Marge turns into water. Oh. And Homer finds a way to love her anyway, because that's what love is, man. <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out. All right, we'll watch that. We'll be back. Hey fans, Editing Bay Elliot J here to say that you might have already noticed that there's some weird audio moments in this podcast. Well, there were some issues with recording and I fixed them to the best of my ability, but occasionally one or more of us were going to sound like we're calling into a radio show. But, you know, it's all part of the fun of having to record these shows remotely. And speaking of which, look, I hope you're doing okay out there. These are pretty fucked times, to say the least. And if you want to reach out, the Simpsons Index DMs are open. But yeah, otherwise... Please physically distance, hand sanitizer, masks, all the things. We can get through this together. All right, back to the show. And we are back, and we just watched our Teens Era episode. This was Season 18, Episode 10, The Wife Acro- uh, <laughs> the Wife Aquatic. First released in January of 07, it was directed by Lance Kramer, written by Kevin Curran. In this episode, Marge gets all nostalgic for the beach town she used to visit as a child, and then the episode becomes about Homer being a fisherman, and then apparently it's about Lisa's environmentalism. Hey guys, what do we think? I'd like to say the prophecy of Harrison came true. This was worse than the previous episode. (laughs) What else do you know, Soothslayer? Uh, I know that we're all going to be really pissed off about the references made in this fucking episode very, very quickly. It Mm. was such a bummer of an episode. Oh, depressing. Was this a perfect storm parody? I thought I put that fucking movie behind me. Seven (laughs) years way too late. Like, I can understand, like, if it was, like, 0203, because then it's, like... That's yeah. the rise of George Clooney, and it's kind of yeah. still relevant. But fuck me, it what wasn't a, even what a, a big atrocious movie. Use. No, oh, it made like two hundred million at the box no, office. I, I it must okay. have quite a line from it. <laughs> this is a perfect <laughs> storm. <laughs> My God, the storm! It's perfect. <laughs> if it's so perfect, why does it keep drowning us? Eh? Because I always felt like The Simpsons was always on the pulse of pop culture, no Mm. matter what it was. And even with the previous episode, it kind of hit just the end of, like, hipsterism. But, like, even this is like, whoever pitched this should have been fucking fired immediately. I think when they pitched, they just didn't have a third act because yeah. I really yeah. what annoys me about oh. this episode. I'm gonna talk about you know this is gonna be my for worse comment is it starts off about Marge and it just becomes a Homer show and it's yeah. like because say so then what happens? I don't know. They get lost at sea, but they're not really yeah. dead. But they have a funeral for them like a day after they go missing. In this funeral oh. where apparently Marge only just realizes that Bart was on the boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah where they're like, hey, for this funeral, can we have a photo of yeah. both your son and your husband? Or why do you need like, a photo of oh, my yeah. son? Why do we need both? Why do we, <laughs> She's like, going to be so surprised. <laughs> oh, it's a secret funeral surprise. You know, everybody loves surprises at funerals. Fucking yeah. It's like, the thing with like writing comedy and especially writing animated comedy is like, you do have a level of logic you kind of just let slide. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and it's very similar to 
that joke. Cartoons don't have to make sense. And then Homer yeah. walks in the background. Like once or twice an episode, I'm willing to let that slide. Hmm. There are so many jokes that are like that in this episode alone that I'm like, yeah. man, come on, what the fuck are you doing? Especially the first act compared to the other episode, The Day the Earth Stood Cool. The first act is all over the place. And like you said, it starts off as a great premise for a Marge mm. episode. Yep. And, and and it just, it falls apart so quickly. It's just, it makes the other episode look like it had structure. That's the yeah. wild <laughs> yeah, part <that's>, to me. <laughs> I will be honest. I did watch this episode before I watched the other one. And I think that's what influenced me because I was like looking out for structure. Sure. And I was mm. just like, oh, this is like good first act set up. This one, nothing. Except for the way that they kind of wrote in some of the logic from the first to the second act, mm. the rest of it was a fucking mess. It was just so bad in so many different ways. I can't... <laughs> it is really a great example of what Zombie Simpsons is. Oh, where it's totally. like a great tread through premise, Marge going through her history to find kind of new resilience. Mm -hmm. Great, great setup. Very similar to, like I mentioned before, with Fear of Flying or... Um, Oh, but, but Marge becomes a cop. Like it's it's, yeah. it's like this whole thing where it's like, oh, it fits a character, it kind of works out well. Or even yeah. the streetcar, where it's like, oh, yeah. she had a previous interest in this, then goes into that, and it's like great, and then it just falls apart with that parody. Mm -hmm. And it's such a big part of the episode. It's the entire second act, and yeah. it, and it's, it's like, why is this here? It's just so wild that the just sudden shift to making the episode about Homer as he's being strung up like a fucking giant yeah. fish. With oh, I laughed so hard at that though. And Him saying Bortle is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's this brain damage joke as well where he's like, uh, there's a hook touching my brain and then just yeah. falls yeah. into gibberish. <laughs> it's the weirdest way for the episode to announce, we're making it all about this guy now. He was ready for a left turn. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Marge's character development in this episode. Fuck her feeling of losing her childhood and a mm. place that made her happy. No, it's about this dipshit. And we're doing a parody of a largely and consequential movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's also, we we have two other episodes that are exactly like this. We have the one where Homer joins the Navy and we have yeah. Old Man and the Sea Student. We, we have mm. two episodes where Lisa's environmental concerns become a big part of her arc and then eventually betray her because of her mm. trust in other people. And then the other one where Homer is at sea. Also, it's very similar to Boy Scouts in the Hood. You have Homer yeah. and Bart <laughs> invested in a story together where yeah. they're both on a body of water and they, they go through a desperate situation it's just the fact that Boys in the Hood has a much more sincere tone to it and has yep. much more higher emotional stakes. And there's a reason for Bart to be there. Like in this exactly. one, it's just like exactly. he's in, in a, a he's in a fucking like closet. Six hours. It Ridiculous. Makes no sense. And the whole time I was wondering. Why call this episode The Wife Aquatic and not fucking parody that movie? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, I think they had a really good hook and setup in the first act, which mm. kind of pays off with the Yum Yum Fish. I think yeah. it's fantastic. But then it's, like, completely dashed aside. Also, I, I have no problem with Deus Ex Machina... Mm. As as like a finale, as a final solution for oh my god, not that not that <laughs> phrase. As a final answer yeah. to the setups that they have, Balloon. as like as yeah. like a way that they solve the problems in the episode. Yeah, god yeah. damn. Um, <laughs> I have no problem with it if it's really funny or mm. if it fits a character. Or arc. if it's I... the hard left turn of it is the comedy. You know, it's the mm. and then the exactly. children get saved from the island by oh, let's say 
Mo. Exactly. It's self-aware. It's funny. It uses the actual tropes that Simpsons have built themselves on mm. to tell the story that they have. It would be too ridiculous to tell the real story of Lord of the Flies for that episode. Yeah. And yeah. so for something like this, where the third act is so ridiculous, I do like the fact that they do a little psych out. I like that the Atlanta sequence is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that it causes Homer to try and struggle yeah, himself I, again. They did get me on the line of, well, how am I breathing right now? You're not. Yeah. And then it <laughs> then a hard cut, like just seaweed around yeah. the neck. Oh, God. Again, but they ruined whatever goodwill that joke, because I liked it too, but then mm. they ruined it with Homer going, I can't live on land anymore, and then just yeah. jumps into the sea to fucking choke yeah. himself. Which yeah, is the exactly. second joke of a person fucking attempting to choke themselves in this episode. Oh yeah, there's two, well no, almost three, because Homer yeah. chokes Bart when they're in the ocean as well. That's right. A lot yeah. of choking in this episode. Yep. And so yeah, moving on to the wackiness of this episode. This episode, yeah, opens up with Springfield out on the grounds watching an old, old, old-timey mm. movie. Yeah, and parody of the Keystone Cops, if we want to talk yes. about timely parodies. Woo! <laughs> At least it would have been funnier if they were if they were making fun of like early animation. Yeah, that's that was my sticking point with this is everyone's bored by this movie, so we have to watch about a full minute of it being boring. Yeah. Yeah, and there's four jokes that are all exactly the same. So you have Mo, Lenny, and Carl, and then you've got Kearney, Jimbo, and oh, I can never remember the third one. Dolph. Dolph, that's it. Gotta think Dolph Lugren. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They no. all make the exact same joke, and it's just so shitty. And again, I didn't have a, a issue. I think silent movie jokes are funny. Mm. Because, like, I really like the movie Silent Movie, and I like the artist. I'm very pretentious. Yeah. But it's also, <laughs> this could have been better. And it's also, the yeah. first joke in the episode sets up the quality. Like, the comic book guy yeah. joke, and he, like, he sits down and is like, ooh, a fat guy falling down, like, real funny. It's not good. It's yeah. it's self-aware, but it's also yeah. not... And again, this, this goes back to, like, the limitations of irony, the limitations of self-aware comedy, where it's like... Okay, cool. You made a joke about the fact that, like, this is a bad joke. Now give yeah. us a good joke. Like, give us what you think is funny. And my problem with this is that stylistically, it wasn't that interesting. It, like, it actually felt no. very flat. And speaking of flat, that piano, like, I'm guessing it was a choice to make a few notes out of tune, but it drove me goddamn nuts. <laughs> oh, I did not notice that. I totally oh. shit. You gotta listen to the notes she's not playing, man. <laughs> but it did remind me of this... Um, <laughs> There's this episode of Neighbors, and <laughs> it's fucking astounding. It's Harold and I can't wait you guys wedding. do the Neighbors Index. Oh. <laughs> we do ten episodes at a time. Each I one will comes be with... so <laughs> drunk during the entire thing. <laughs> But Harold and Madge's wedding, it's the fucking most hilarious episode, and the guy who plays his son David is in it as well in one of his first roles, and he's fucking terrible, and it's great. <laughs> I think our Kylie's in it as well. But anyway, as Madge is walking down the aisle, they have someone playing, you know, Here Comes the Bride, but she keeps fucking up, and they've just <laughs> left this horrible take of the <laughs> piano in it, and it's just astounding. Wow. So it's like they're, uh, you know, destroying the nuclear power plant, so we've got to get this right we've only got one chance now yeah. play the song uh i didn't rehearse but it's almost like she was Jesus. playing it live along as they were shooting the scene like they didn't yeah. put it in post like it's astoundingly bad anyway what other wacky parts of this episode stood out to you guys what were the most cartoony things they're really weirdly mean to Brazil, which I thought was yeah. an actually okay episode. Blame it on Rio is okay. No, this is a weird well that they've returned to because, yeah, Brazil had such a negative reaction to the episode and was oh, like... Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah they banned it. That. 
If they didn't ban it, like, in certain regions, then maybe over the whole country. But, yeah, they did not like that. But Simpsons have weirdly doubled down on, like continuing the jokes about them being dirty and stuff and yeah it comes off mm. at mean spirited the, jo- the next joke right after that or at least the joke that i wrote down was the marge goes to the carousel and she's like oh no someone cut swastikas into the eyes of the yeah. fucking yeah and the horse and she's like and i was like i was so unfull of hate and it's like but you just made it it's like you just made your own weird racist joke guys yeah 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 <laughs> so i found a note of wackiness i'd like to bring up as a positive act actually, which oh, was nice. um, when Lisa's kind of hag- heckling the fisherman, like, maybe you're the fish. And he's like, well, maybe all the fish should have bred more. And then he'll do like at the end, he's like, oh, well, maybe you should just go marry Millhouse. <laughs> That's right. I know about Millhouse. So weird. I so think good. I just love the delivery it's of it. Such a good joke. It was like, yeah, like, I know about Millhouse. <laughs> like, the fact that it makes no sense. And I think it's that suspension of disbelief, absurdity, and that's an example of it working for me, at least. Like, that was one of the very few jokes that I laughed very hard at. And I, and I realized about halfway through the episode the jokes that I laughed very hard at, it's because I was surprised by them. And that bummed me out so much. And it also felt like that. It feels like the family guy got to them. Oh, definitely. No question about that. There's just this fucked up like feeling that there are some jokes in there and Futurama had this problem as well when they, when they came back with the TV movies, jokes are definitely more crass and they're more crass yeah. and they come out of nowhere. Cause I've, there are three other jokes I've, I've seen in here. It was like the, the fucked up fish that Homer gets and they tell him that they yeah. use the oil of the fish for the stripper pole. That feels like a family guy joke. That yep. and a TiVo joke as well. Yep. Like, that feels like... Yeah. It I just feels so dated. Fish as well, they literally took a second bite. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just going to eat it. Fucking end. <laughs> and yeah, these weird mean-spirited jokes as well. Like, I liked the misdirect of Homer going, I know three people that can, you know, rebuild this carousel and he yep. gets the candy people from before. But then, of course, we get a meth is funny joke. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, that meth. was... What the fuck was that? Like, when has meth been a part of the Simpsons universe? Now. We know weed exists yeah. in it. Yeah, uh, but it also feels like that when he clubs the fish and they yeah. play at yeah. last by Anna oh. James, feels like a Family Guy joke. Where it's like I felt like if they were doing a parody of Office Space and they played mm. um, Die yeah. Motherfuckers Die, die. <laughs> yeah, like and but again, Family Guy did that as well. And then it's just like that whole second act. I felt like I was watching a really bad fan script that somehow yeah. they got the voice actors to do. That's how it, yeah, it was really, really, really shitty. That whole slow-mo clubbing thing. I'm like, I had enough time to write down little music note and then at last slow motion clubbing and then had enough time to go, Hey, this is still going and write that down. Yeah. yeah it's just that's bad. Went. Just thinking, yeah, in this era of Simpsons as well, where they're all digital now, all their animation is a lot easier to produce, like, this episode weirdly looked shitty. And especially in that Perfect Storm parody where the waves crashing over, there was just so much uh, flatness about it. And There's also, like, the use of 3D in that episode. Like, early 3D animation combined with 2D animation, and you see a lot of it in Futurama, is that they only use it for... Like, if they need to loop something, if they're using an asset more than once. So pretty much mm-hmm. any time you saw the Planet Express ship, it was almost always in 3D, or at yeah. least rendered in 3D and then put over a 2D plate. Yeah. And it feels like they tried to do that here with the ship, and it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. And it was like, what, seven years after Futurama debuted? And it was like, what? what? Like, it was really jarring. It was actually jarring from an animation standpoint. And that's something you kind of don't 
get with The Simpsons. It was almost like experimental, but in a bad way. No, and like with that 3D on 2D stuff that you're talking about, you know, one of the advantages that it has is that it really sells a sense of scale. And I just yeah. wasn't really sold that in like trying to look at this you know from a beauty standpoint it just because well, they there. also stop in the middle of the thing so homer can swing a golf ball off the yeah, front of yeah the what ship. the fuck was that joke is that a parody uh, of a perfect store like I that i no one saw <laughs> it i had a feeling that it might have been the maybe a reference to george bush and now watch this drive like maybe but that was then, like that, that was like four stretching. years before like that's yeah. like at least that's a more current reference than a perfect storm like what? no simpsons and their references it's like australia getting episodes of the simpsons back in the 90s it's all <laughs> yeah a, a few years out of date but how about the like, emotional core of this episode did we feel anything in our heart keep moving <laughs> Nah. I, like, again, I, I, no, bo- no, BT, I nearly said bottle. Uh, Go first. No, no. <laughs> bottle. Like, I was going to, we said it at the front with Marge and her connection to this place and sit going back and seeing it, you know, absolutely destitute. There's something there, but we just abandoned that completely. Yeah. And you don't have enough time to even see her being sad at the thought that Homer and then Bart is dead. Yeah. Because it's just so, we know unquestionably. We got to, yeah. We got 22 not minutes, guys. Show, but just. <laughs> There's not even enough time. I was sitting there going, how long have they been missing for them to be holding a funeral? Exactly. And the explanation of how they get back is like, that had to have literally been half a day max. Yeah. It's like, this is just dumb and I hate it and I'm angry now. <laughs> I 100% agree. Like, I I was more intrigued by El Fausto's storyline, his yeah. arc of having a thing and then not having a thing and then being a Portuguese immigrant like on the run. Day. <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> Again, I really like the setup of Marge, and I, as cliche as, um, I believe the musical piece is called Carnival of the Aquarium. I, I, I think. Oh, I think we were trying to work that out. Yeah, the really fluttery. I think I did write it down. Yeah, Carnival of the Animals in the Suite is the Aquarium by Camille Saint Cien. I only know it because I played Burnout Paradise a whole bunch, and that <laughs> song is on the soundtrack. So you're playing through all this game where, like, mm. every single song is like incredible hip-hop or yeah. like really dense pop like Avril Lavigne's boyfriend yeah. and then every 10th song there's a classical piece and you'll hear you're just like anytime I played GTA I would always switch to the pop channel because I thought it was funny to commit crimes to like yeah uh Robin. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, look, Quentin Tarantino nailed the uh, cognitive dissonance between like really good pop songs and just fucking murdering people. <laughs> I was never able to listen to the five, six, seven, eights the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> Kill Bill's such a great film. Anyway, the point is, is that I, there is no emotional through line for any of the characters, yeah. like whatsoever. Like, like, there's the start of one, and then they yeah. drop it. And, and like it becoming about the Homer show and it's like, mm. why are they pissed at this person? <laughs> I fixed your broken carousel, then I burnt it. You're broke even. Like, fuck you. <laughs> your shitty dock was on fire. Uh. Yeah. The townsfolk really clean themselves up in the day that this happens. Like it's yeah. just it's a lot of really poor plotting. And like you said in the previous part, where it's like it's a lot of end then writing. Yeah. It's like, and this happens and this happens. And the only two things that actually make logical sense in the episode is the fireworks that start the dock fire and then it lead to Homer like being a part of the crew. Like it's it's this mm. weird thing where they set up the fishermen at the start at like the end of the first act and then the boardwalk thing happens. Yeah. Like yeah. that is like one of two things that actually makes sense in the episode. But there are just so many like 
Like, just bad setups and then no payoff. Mm. And the problem is, is that there's, like, three really good jokes in this whole episode. But then, like you said with the animation stuff, it really threw me off. Did you guys notice that Lenny's head had the wrong proportions for a full scene? Mm. It's such, like, an odd animation error that, again, we're in this HD... Like, it's the transition from, like, a standard definition to HD, and they just... They can't even get the 2D animation right. It was, it was really frustrating. Head. Yeah. That is the yeah, first was... thing you calibrate. <laughs> <laughs> That's like oh, not Lenny. benchmark. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone will be screaming, not Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so... And I, I, to be fair, that was one of the jokes that I really loved, is that Homer being in trouble sense off Moe's Homer sense was such a great... like. A very, very good joke. And then I, them not being able to get to the car. I really liked that. I, I was really, really worried they were actually going to head out and save him. But then I do like they kind of walk inside. And, Ooh, it's uh, really raining. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> and it's just such like a good Mo moment as well. Like it's just, moment. I realized also with that bit, and I wrote this down as well. There is a Family Guy episode that mm. is a parody of Perfect Storm that has a like that exact thing that you just said where the drinking buddies all save each other while they get shipwrecked. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, and it's just Did you guys hear about what happened to Trey Parker and Matt Stone after they made that episode that made fun of Family Guy? Like the the response that they got? No. Uh, from who? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So the Family Guy people apparently were really upset with them, but the writers of King of the Hill and the Simpsons sent them baskets. Oh, yeah. them personally. <laughs> and it's like, that kind of shit is just like, it's hard, because when you watch these episodes now that, you know, were coming out the same era as Family mm. Guy and South Park, it's like, yeah, you can be mad, I guess, but also you guys kind of, I mean, other than, you know, those first 10 to 12 seasons, guys kind of don't have a leg to stand on. Because mm. I think that when this episode aired, it would have been... Just after they'd been rebooted and revived, and I think season five would have been airing at the exact same time, if my time Yeah, that's correct. probably right. Yeah, about 2007. I know definitely at that time I was in my full-blown Family Guy craze. Uh, oh, yeah. Then. Yeah, same. And I was, like, ecstatic, going through every forum, just being like, bring back Family Guy! And it just, like... <laughs> and then they brought it back, and it was very <laughs> not good. It, it was, was you! So my was... God, what the hell it was, was you, Rod? Was... <laughs> yeah. Even Seth MacFarlane left the show. Like, he's just a voice actor on the show now in an EP. Well, I think we've just answered this next question. Did it feel like an episode of The Simpsons? And I'm going to say Fuck. no. No. God, Even though Homer no. gets a new job, that wasn't the point of the episode. No. <laughs> he has been... Wait, has he been a fisherman before? Probably. I'm trying to think. Fucking... Uh, he stole a nuclear submarine. It's close enough. He has been yeah. fishing, remember? <laughs> I want my bologna sandwich, boy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. I've still got the almond shorts on my brain. There's some fucking... The Weird episode where he, t he and Bart go fishing is fucking odd. Bart's calling him sir the whole time. Yeah. And That's so weird. He has weird. a weird militaristic streak in the, yeah. in the in the shorts. We know we know the main thing about Homer, especially in, I think it's the first two seasons. He loves mm. fishing. He literally like captures that gigantic fish oh, when he's on that comes yeah. retreat. Even later on, na 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 fishing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And look, I, I identify with that a lot because my dad, huge fan of fishing, like mm. in general, and I, I never really took to that just because I get seasick. It's just, it's just like, <laughs> he, <laughs> he took me deep sea fishing once for his birthday and I was oh, no. ill the entire time. <laughs> but I get it. I get that it's this wonderful meditative thing yeah. that I think Homer enjoys because yeah. it's, it's like an accomplishment <laughs> thing. It's not just just a dad thing it's like something that he's he's proud of but we never really get any of that we better, yeah. better wasn't 
Yeah, well, I mean, just the elements of the characters that are true to themselves are just so surface level here, especially mm. with like shoehorning Lisa's environmentalism at, at the end. Which, yeah. and it's why are you shoehorning this at the end? Why is this episode now suddenly about Lisa? And it's, it's, she's just yeah. like, this isn't what I wanted at all. It's like, we weren't working out what you wanted this time, Lisa. <laughs> it's such a dark ending as well, because yeah. they barely, I think the running time of her, yeah, it's literally one minute's worth, and it's kind of not environmental, rela- like, the thing yeah. is that the thread is so thin, and it's mm. because she has the argument with the guy, with the fisherman at the first act, second act is going to the institute, and then the third act is just that little end tag, which is, yep. again, that through line is just so weak, it's just like, you kind of didn't have to have it in this episode, but you did because of the runtime and you needed yep. Lisa to do something. Like, yeah. it's such like this fucked up writer logic, which I get, which is like, you've got all these actors and you've got all these people, you might as well put them all in the episode together, they're mm. going to get paid anyway. But it's everyone's so poorly used. And there's so many jokes that just fall flat when they're on the boat that it's really annoying that they just... There could have been so many good gags and they, they just chuck it full of references and yep. there's the opposite day thing, which kind oh, of... Oh, I forgot about that. that. Oh, fuck. And again, that's the problem is that like so many setups, it's that fucking car thing again. You know that mm-hmm. you know they've connected the fucking battery wrong and it's just like, <laughs> if you just took a second to fucking do this, yeah. like that's... That's all it takes. such a dumb and played out joke and there was nothing refreshing and it just makes Homer look juvenile and dumb <laughs> oh god i hated that so much but yes or no would you watch this episode again nah no <laughs> and again i have i'm sorry i have to bring it back to this point but unless someone was talking about the cultural impact of a perfect storm <laughs> yeah no <laughs> i'm gonna look up how much money it made give me a second <laughs> yeah next video essay title perfect storm did it really matter <laughs> is it actually good no it's not it's not good it's okay so a Perfect Storm grossed a total of $328 million. So I, I guess... It worked. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if the people don't know, I guess spoilers for A Perfect Storm. It's based on a true story. Everyone dies. Yeah. Sorry. Like, fight... Oh, oh. <laughs> Men go out on boat. Men die. The end. <laughs> like, if, for people who don't know, who've only ever seen the trailer, like, the wave in the trailer, it yeah. capsizes them and then they die 20 minutes afterwards. That, oh, that's really? it. That's, right that's the, the fucking end. movie. Oh, yeah. That's the whole third act is... And then their wives being sad and then them realizing, my son was on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> he was hiding in a closet for like six hours. Why? What a dumbass. <laughs> All right, BT, what would you like to change about this episode? How are you going to fix it? All right, so instead of doing this whole moon- Moonlight Cinema opening thing and having a whole like two minutes devoted to this silent black and white movie, how about Patty and Selma just come round to show the Simpsons vacation slides like they've done plenty of times before oh yeah they accidentally bring the wrong one and they, they show bring that, the oldest one they yeah. bring the old footage and they're like oh maybe they're, in, they're like we can't go anywhere because we're poor so we just brought the old footage to tell you about that and that's what triggers marge's memories of this place and then we get started earlier so we free up some time to actually do something with the plot and then make it about marge for fuck's sake that's where you start why did why switch to the yeah. Homer show yeah harrison what would have been so good is that Marge's attempt to clean up the town makes the environmental situation worse. Then mm, you get yeah. Lisa invested, but then Homer is at odds because he was trying to cheer mm-hmm. Marge up, and then it's like this whole nostalgia thing coming at odds with like the future of mankind. There's a way to do those storylines, but in a much more succinct way. And a funnier way, too. Mm. I think there's a lot of humor to be had with Marge attempting like, a cleanup of a town that she hasn't known the history of for 20 years. Bring in the yum-yum fish, 
talk about how like they were like thriving and then maybe set up like a yum yum festival or something like like there's <laughs> something like again i i like at least i heard of matt selman i hadn't heard any of the writer nor the director of this episode mm. yeah, yeah they, they just sound like two guys who probably got picked up on a bad family guy spec and then we're like, fuck it, we made it to The Simpsons. We're better than you, but we'll still make the same shitty jokes. Now, they were just standing on a street corner with a sign that says, Will Wright for food. So. <laughs> In candy striper outfits. Yeah. Um, well, I know Kevin Curran. Yeah, he was he was fairly prolific in the back end of The Simpsons. But, you know, speaking of the writer and director, because, like, yeah, that's sort of where my head was at, Harrison, is just yeah. have Marge clean up this town. Mm. There's got to be something shady about the environmental damage or whatever the yum-yum fish overfishing message yeah, you want to yeah, send. Yeah. And Lisa's perfect for that. I kind of see it as, like, a bit of a anti-summer of four foot two. Mm. You know... Oh, where- that would be so good! Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, with yeah. Lisa trying to be cool to the locals there instead, yeah, having Marge trying to yeah, be yeah. cool and revitalize yeah, yeah. this place. But also, yeah, change the director on this and have fucking Wes Anderson do it. <laughs> I want to see that fucking episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> Wes Anderson must have done a cameo at this point. God, and it would be so funny because he's very he's very softly spoken. I mean, mm. anybody who's watched any Wes Anderson film, you can't be surprised. But he's very passionate. Like he's very oh, soft and passionate, like Bjork is or, or or Michelle Gondry. God, the title annoys me so much. The more I think <laughs> yeah. about it, and yep. I would have said nothing if you guys hadn't pointed that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, uh, no, Wes Anderson hasn't appeared in The Simpsons, but mm. in the previous episode, Terrence did compare Ned to a right. father from a Wes Anderson movie. Yep. Oh, that's realized. true. That's true. That's yeah. That's why I was thinking it. I'm looking at. Kevin Curran's episodes he's written you know I I will say I I feel bad because he has written like I think one or two episodes that I did really like yeah that's that's my bad (laughs) and he's also dead so (laughs) R.I.P oh my god he is oh that's oh and he was married to the woman who wrote um Bridget Jones fuck man what a life building Really? Yeah, Helen Fielding, 1999 to 09. explains how they got uh, her on The Simpsons. Interesting. All right, we're here. BT, do you have any other notes about this episode? Of course I do. So I hated the setup but loved the payoff on uh, Homer's like, oh, that movie's made Marge so sad. I'm going to burn it to DVD. Oh, that DVD's make it sad. I'm going to try to move it to our iPod. such a good But then I love the bit at the end of, I'm sorry, I couldn't figure out your iPod. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I really like that bit. And my other one is the negative note, which is when, you know, Homer's hanging up with a hook in his nose and the guy's like, ah, we'll get you out to sea and you'll end up as queer as me. And he's like, yeah. do you mean queer strange or queer gay? And then I, it was okay to have him go, ah, it could be a bit of both. That would be fine. But then he has to go, yeah, ah, I'm weird. Ooh, I'm a little bit gay. Ah, I'm a little bit weird. Ooh, mm. I'm a little bit gay. It's like, fuck. I hated that. I hated that so much. Yeah, me too. How about you, Harrison? Any other notes? Oh, man. Th- there were two things that really stuck out to me. The show is very anti-Clinton, which I like. I somewhat <laughs> agree with, but for different reasons. Mm, but yeah. I'm wondering, has that been a through line? Yeah, they've done that before. I remember there's that episode where Lisa does a recital, but she doesn't get first place, and then Clinton comes yeah. at the end where it's like, I'm yeah. a pretty brave president. Like that, no, that's that dumb, thing. but there's a good bit in, uh, it's a home of the max, um, at the end of which where Clinton's dancing with Marge, and he's all like, I know you don't think you're good enough for me, but believe me, I've done it with pigs. Honest to God, pigs. <laughs> Holy shit, I wow. didn't remember that joke. Black Mirror episode one. It's weird that they, they went after George Bush Sr. and mm. Clinton, but they never went after George Bush Jr. Yeah. Were you saying there was a I thing don't remember that people any... were just a little too depressed about it? There was a... <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, there was going a commentary Trump real hard right now, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, there was a commentary where they were like, yeah, people have been asking why we haven't like lampooned him a lot. And it's just, yeah, it's too fucking depressing. But and then they spent a lot of the commentary, yeah, referencing another joke they did where Homer called him Captain Cuckoo Bananas. And <laughs> that's about as hard as they went on W. Like, oh, and then um, the joke that. um when the the ship is capsized and it's filling with water mm. and Homer is trying to signal to the captain of when he should hit Bart yes. with a shovel that was That's fucking such, grim like this is this is a weird thing about the simpsons is that like the show kind of can't have any stakes at this point cuz the Not. show's been on the air so long you know nothing that horrible is going to happen to the Simpsons as a family. That's why you meant to focus on like the heart moments of Marge's childhood, damn Yeah, it. right. Exactly. Again, there's a few very good jokes in there. The Melhouse line that you mentioned before. Well, again, I can't stop thinking about Bortle. Bortle is just... <laughs> it's just so fucking funny. My son is also named Bortle. <laughs> <laughs> The um the first act has two very very specific long-winded animated sequences mm, that are yeah. not fun to watch. Mm, First yep. the silent film and secondly yeah. the family film. At least the second one is just... plot critical, but yeah. Exactly. And it's uh, it just sucks. But yeah, my only other notes are yeah, a couple of those jokes just overstaying their welcome like Homer and his caramel arm just fucking insufferable from beginning oh, to yeah, end. Oh, that's real rough. And then yeah. the guy, the heavily telegraphed, oh, if it was a storm, my trick knee would be acting up. And again, family guy joke where it's like... Exactly. It's that violence that's missing a few frames of cartoon, so it yeah. happens like really instantly, which is a good mm. bit. Like the day that Peter Griffin forgot to sit in a chair, that's like <laughs> one of my favourite <laughs> animations. But yeah, it felt so out of place here. And, yeah, just before we rank this thing, a couple of guest voice actors. Maurice LaMarche was playing Billy the Fisherman. Yeah. And Seb Shimano oh, like was it. playing Master Sushi Chef. Seb Shimano is, yeah, very prolific voice actor. He's been in, yeah, Teenage Ninja Turtles, Samurai nice. Jack, The Shadow. Um, yeah, it's time to rank this thing, and it's BT's turn oh, to go first. Man, I'm on that participant failure board, uh, and I don't know where I'm going. So nothing, nothing is going to bother me too much about this tomorrow but I do really hate how much it squandered that opening. And I feel like being cruel. Fuck it, failure. Hey, failing it. How about you, Harrison? To use the uh, wonderful system that you guys have on the website. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> <laughs> Instant failure. Because I was like you. I was, like, I was on that border between participant and failure, but it's mm. such a crass, depressing, mm. awfully constructed, poorly written episode that I wish you hadn't told me that Kevin Curran was dead because that just makes things so much worse. He can still suck when he's dead. I know. Well, Helen Fielding is still alive. She's a widow. Anyway, the no, she's not. They divorced before he died. The point is, is that there's... She knows he there's, sucks. There's, yeah, exactly. She watched that episode and she's like, I'm going to wait two years and then I'm going to crush yeah. <laughs> Really? Why did you parody Perfect Storm? That doesn't make sense. Oh, man. Imagine like him coming home after writing that episode and be like, you'll never believe it. I came up with the like, best idea, best pitch while we were at the camp. A perfect storm. But it's Homer and Bart. And she's like, I... I, I, I'm about to write Bridget Jones's baby, and that's not as bad as an idea as what you've just told me. A perfect Storm. Did we watch that the other night on the TiVo? TiVo! That's it! 
Uh, yeah, instant failure. In- no, fuck him. Fuck this. It's a bad episode. It's a straight up and down awful travesty of an episode. <laughs> yeah. Look, this is one where, yeah, if I flipped the coin, it just landed on yeah, its side for I me because it's right on the border. I am knocking it down into failure just because of how much of a messy story it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be weird, this one being a unanimous failure because I don't think it is actually though that bad. That bad. Yeah, but like... The amount that it squanders, the amount that it yeah. just fucking lacks focus, and it really just rips a story away from Marge, which I think is a massive sin it in itself. It just doesn't give two shits in its entire second half. Yeah. So, well, I'm happy to announce then that this is a unanimous failure. We are giving this episode the, the Index, index Finger! finger! <laughs> it will be the second episode from season 18 to be given the finger. Oh, It'll be joining shit. Little Big Girl, where Lisa appropriates Native American culture because oh. she can't think of an essay to do that day or something. Mm. <laughs> and Bart runs away with a pregnant 14-year-old. Oh, oh God, I, I remember seeing that episode. Fucking hell. I'm just looking at your your F's, F's episodes and I was like, yeah, no, these deserve to be here. Fuck this. Fuck, <laughs> fuck all of these episodes. I saw Camp Crustier and I'm like, oh, <laughs> God, no, I... Uh, the oh, abomination boy, itself. Yep, oh, enjoying fuck. that spot down there with the Camp Crustiers and the uh, Lisa Goes Gargars and stories about <laughs> Moe's fucking dish rag. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like looking at this list, you guys should do a fucking March Madness next year of just the worst episodes. <laughs> like, just really round out the fucking, the worst of the worst of The Simpsons. We did that for, it, like, well, about, what, episode, like, 80? We did the bad episode Battle Royale? Yep. Uh, oh, wh- shit. One of our unreleased episodes that yeah. were, like, Patreon, maybe? Let's see. Oh, shit. People out there, give us money and we'll see if we can give you this thing. (laughs) All right. Well, look, that about does it for terrible episodes of The Simpsons today. We are going all the way back to really the start of the classic era where we're going to watch season one's The Telltale Head. PT, what is this episode? Uh, It's where Lisa finds a decapitated head that tells her all the secrets and she's got to, like, keep it hidden underneath the floorboards, but it's still whispering all these secrets about her friends and neighbours and slowly drives her man and it turns out the end, it was just a rock. (laughs) a real classic we are going to watch that we'll be back (laughs) and we are back and we just watched our classic and final episode of the evening this was season 1 episode 8 the telltale head first released in February 1990 it was directed by Rich Moore written by Al Jean and Mike Reese and Sam Simon and, and Matt Groening. In this episode, you should know this one, but meets up with some rough kids who they sneak into a scary movie together. And mm. to impress them, Bart steals the head off the Jeopardize Springfield statue. Guys, what did we think? I'd like to skip straight ahead to my what would I like to say for better or for worse. I'd like to note that twice Homer uses the term, I pulled a few boners in my youth. <laughs> I wrote that down too. Which... I wrote like, I know it's a thing from, like, you know, old Batman comics that, ah, they're not going to laugh again at Joker's Boner. It used to be a name. There were yeah. people named Boner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ah, the past is great. I love it. <laughs> Cocaine and using the word gay is happy. It was, a, it, was, mm. it was a weirdly good time, but also very bad. What a gay boner. <laughs> Yeah, so bringing us back into the old gay boner times of TV entertainment, this, I found it quite charming. Oh, God, yeah. uh, Very, very story heavy, and this is the moral tale, and uh, there's there's still some jokes in there that quite work. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that, especially 
considering the last two episodes, works so well, mm. and it's exactly what I've been talking about. Like, it's weird to watch this in a, the 2020 context, considering where statues yep. are in political debate. I think I think yep. that Jebediah would very quickly be fucking torn down, considering the uh, era that he lived in. But also, yeah. I think that there's, like you said, it's very charming. The fact that mm. this was broadcast on primetime television on a Sunday night in the United States, like a year before I was born, that this was something that people loved and was able to build. Like, I think within like two or three seasons, The Simpsons was a cultural impact. Like it didn't take long. Mm. It oh, wasn't by like... the end of this season, it's actually and it's actually quite weird. Yellow because... fever had begun. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, season one, you know, on reflection, is a bit of a rocky season, and mm. like the show is definitely still figuring it out. But yeah, yeah, it became so iconic so quickly. But yeah, I think they fully found their footing in about season three. Yeah, that's yeah. what's interesting about this one is it's very traditional sitcom. It's you know, yeah. yes. kid goes out and le- and does a bad thing and learns a valuable lesson. It's almost Brady Bunch esque which is weird because Simpsons was known for being the antithesis of that kind of thing. And I suppose the difference is is here he goes to Homer for advice and instead of being, well, son, you know that stealing is wrong and you should yeah. never do it, he's like, oh, popularity is the most important thing in the <laughs> yeah. world other than frosty chocolate milkshakes. You're not going to kill yeah. anyone, are you? Are you? Are you? Run along, you little I did love that. It's like, it we're not talking about killing anybody. <laughs> How about you, Harrison? What stands out to you from this episode for better or worse? For better, definitely, like, just everything having a great setup and payoff and, oh, fuck, the, the timing... Of Reverend Lovejoy and Homer listening to the game. I mm. forgot how much Homer that was, was in the That was such sports. a good crossfade, yeah. It's such a brilliant that. joke. And also Harry Shearer, I think this is the first time Lovejoy appears in, in the show. I th- I yes, think sir, that's... it is. We, uh, we yeah. have a few characters actually making their first appearance in the series really? proper. So, yeah, we'll tick them off and go through. But yeah, Lovejoy, first Lovejoy. And also him as Jebediah Springfield is so fucking yeah. funny because it's basically just Harry Shearer's stern voice. He would do that very serious voice mm. as like just an SNL character. He would play the straight man for something. But having that voice when Bart pushes the head into the <laughs> hole and go, oh, it's, it's, it's so funny. There's also like, as someone, as a kid who went to Sunday school a lot and asked way too many mm-hmm. fucking questions, I yep. loved that whole scene. Like, it really brought me back to being that fucking kid and just being like, oh, man. I remember, I think we went to, my family went to church up until my grandmother passed away and I was like 14 or 15. I was like, I was way done with it. I was like, I've never been so overjoyed to have Sundays free in my entire <laughs> life. I, I was like, the first weekend after it happened, I was just like, I'm real sad about the reason why this happened. But I'm gonna go down to a creek. I'm gonna go to a video store. I'm gonna I'm gonna call some fucking friends. Like I, so ecstatic, and it just felt like it was that weird situation with watching early Simpsons again, where there was this focus on tradition and breaking mm. that down. Yeah, yeah. In, in its own way, it wasn't wasn't mean spirited. It was introverted. It was philosophical. To have even the reference of a tel- the Telltale Head for people who don't know is the, yeah. obviously the Telltale Heart. It's a it's a Poe story, correct? That, that's yeah. Uh... yeah. The uh, Simpsons are clearly very big Poe fans, and Poe is you know a huge part of early curriculum in high school and stuff. And but yeah, I think to have this very traditional structure, because even though they do it in a very Simpsons way, it is very much you you know learn a valuable lesson kind of story. So they end up in the same place, but just go about it in a different way. 
yeah. yeah. But I, I guess for the time, yeah, re- religion and going to church wouldn't have been seen like because yeah, Homer having the headphones in church would have been seen. <laughs> oh my lord! Oh my heaven forfend! Clutch your yeah. pearls as your monocle falls. I forgot that this is still Bush Senior Era America. Mm. Like it's post Reaganomics. It's like America still being that little bit conservative. That it's kind of funny how conservative they are. It's not like yeah. fucked yeah. up conservative, which is where we were during the Bush era and now, obviously. But it's still you can kind of mock that kind of very conservative lifestyle. That I think the Simpsons do a real good job of doing that in in having mm. characters like Ribbon Lovejoy and obviously the Flanders and stuff like that. That it's, like, the only thing that really sticks out, like, a sore thumb, not even in a negative way, but just in kind of, like, a, a things that The Simpsons lost over the years. Homer mm. being obsessed with sports. Lisa, yeah. like, giving, like, really smart answers, like her being, like, knowing what Valhalla is. Like, yeah. the fact that Bart was really into horror films, like, the Space Mutants thing. Yeah. It's weird because that's really obviously a parody up. of, like, the Aliens films to some degree. Mm. There's st- we still have an Aliens franchise. We fucking had Prometheus <laughs> I mean, and Covenant we, like the last five years. We we don't have an Aliens franchise. It's not anymore. good, but it's not itself anymore. That that's a very good point. Really, Scott really it's ran like, that shit in the ground. Yeah, it's that thing where if you you know have a ship and you replace the mast and replace the stern and replace the hull, <laughs> all with shit movies, do you still have a ship? Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that there's there are more good. Oh, that depends on what you think is good. There's more good alien films than there are good Terminator films at this point. Ooh. Yeah, Terminator's my jam, and that truth hurts. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> but I, I will say there's um one thing I really noticed was the audio work, and this sounds so weird, mm. but the audio work in this episode, everything feels and sounds natural. Like it feels yeah. like a whole bunch of folly work has gone into it. And there's just like little things like, oh God, even even the the voice acting during the Space Mutants thing, I think it's Nancy Cartwright is playing the girl that gets attacked mm. by the Space Mutants. It's overtly sexual. It's like, yeah. cause it's, <laughs> it's faded from black. It's them making out and it's like, yeah. it's really intense. And then it's a slow zoom in. I forgot for three seconds I was watching The Simpsons. I was just <laughs> like, I like about that is oh, the, right, audio yes. there, <laughs> the audio there is a little bit tinny as well. So, you know, it's meant to be going from, you know, the movie. Yeah, yeah it's the movie. No, speakers, absolutely. Yeah. No, and it's amazing that this point that keeps coming up on this podcast is just the lack of ambient and soundtrack in the new episodes. Mm. And oh God, we yeah. get it in spades here and almost kind of to a fault where their crowd noise kind of feels a bit too, uh, I don't know, high up in the mix or something. Yeah, my only problem with, well, one of my technical problems in this one is like, they don't know that Bart is going to return the head, so why is there an angry mob just waiting already? That's a real good point. That's I, Yeah, that's one minor flaw. Oh, no, it, it works. It's the conflict. That's fine. Uh, my other question is, how? what What was the statue made out of yeah. that Bart can hack through it in seconds? Exactly. And carry it around. That whole sequence of him sneaking out of that. Oh, fuck. Speaking of sound, the joke where he grabs Santa's little helper, not Santa's little helper, Snowball, Snowball. 2, yeah. and just quite... I laughed. And then when he puts it out the window, finishes. Meow, meow. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. So fucking I got a good. good. Out of that. And also, I noticed in the music as well, they have like a weird ninja soundtrack, which I, I think it's because I was using these headphones. I was just mm. like, oh, I've never noticed that before. Mm. There's like so much care and quality put into it. Yeah. No, and you do see these little glimpses of what the Simpsons will become. And, you know, when we ask our regular questions on the podcast, I'm leading into the wackiness question. Yes. Uh, it doesn't yeah. really come into play in season one, but we do have 
have the Simpsons, yeah, doing Bart's little ninja scene and his mm-hmm. like really nice physicality as he moves through the house there. Yeah, a little yeah. cartoony cartoon. Yeah, the sheen on the the hacksaw as well is like that's stunning mm. for animation from 1990. Like that's mm. some shit Disney would pull. Yeah, and yeah, I, I do have yeah, similar complaints about the head and stuff, especially <laughs> when he drops it in the hole. It's sort of given the weight of something. That, yeah. Yeah, every sound effect it has is like full kong. kong. It's just like heavy brass head. It's like, how strong is Bach? How sharp was that hat? Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit. There's also some very, like, because I, I was just thinking, this is the first season. There's some very dark jokes in there that I really, really liked as well. Like the Space Mutants thing and the, yeah. when they're looking at clouds and it's like, the yeah. guy looks like there's a switchblade in his back. Like, it's funny, but <laughs> it's like, all Bach raining off a cliff. It, uh, yeah. it did look like that. <laughs> <laughs> that cloud that they drew to look like it certainly did look like that thing they described. Yeah, yeah sure did. <laughs> also, the wackiness thing is the press conference that Chief Wiggum, they're listening to Mumbo in the morning, which is just a dumb joke. Because again, it's such a passive setup for a great joke because the, yeah. the irony of a really depressed guy saying Momo in the morning it's just yeah. it's just Dan Castellaneta just sounding sad and then mm. when they cut to Chief Wiggum who looks so different like his yeah. his head is way Black too wide yeah. yeah and it's the same thing with like Sideshow Smithers and, and yeah and Sideshow Bob and they're all different colors and model. shit yeah. and it's just him asking the public to call zero <laughs> it's just a such a funny fucking line yeah, yeah. <laughs> that number again oh, oh. <laughs> also Mo, the way that Moe's bar looks I really mm. like it. I don't know why, but I really like the... And I think it's because I, I go to a lot of dive bars in LA and it reminds me exactly of that situation. Single yeah. bar, three booths, bathroom entrance, that's fucking it. Like, it's... Uh. But, and all for the joke of, Mo, can you pour me a beer and put ah! some head on it? Oh, hey, no! <laughs> Hearing oh, that- Hank Azaria cry in Mo's voice is always funny. Ah. Yeah. Uh. Again, it's just it's just joke after joke, and the mm. references are to classic shit. Like, not a perfect storm. It's no. one of, like, seven Godfather references they have in the first <laughs> yes. four seasons. I mean, it's a shame that in Lisa Gets a Pony, and yeah. it's the same framing, but obviously it's an homage. Yeah, it's a reference, so that's the difference, is you can say a perfect storm, what's a good scene out of that? Like, um... The storm, the storm <laughs> whereas you say Godfather and you want to reference an iconic scene from that, yeah, horsehead, easy. Yeah, no, could not like the fuck. Oh. Leave the gun, take the cannoli. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, I can't remember which Simpsons episode it is, but it's when Bart gets ambushed by all the snowballs. That and it's a parody of the um, of that that sequence. Sunny gets shot. Yeah, oh yeah, oh, that's right. Fucking love it. Like frame by frame. I remember going through that like one of the first times I was ever high. Going through that frame <laughs> by frame, and it's just Bart contorting in different shapes, and they've just plugged like three or four snowballs around his body, and I'm like. That's animation. Yeah. It's stunning how simple that is. Is just just drawing the body in like five different poses, and then just just the best sound effect of just him getting hit like it's a machine gun fire. <laughs> no, that's the thing, and it's not pulling too much focus or whatever. It's just, and it doesn't detract, and it doesn't not work if you've never seen The Godfather because mm. it's like he's like woken up next to you know the horrible thing he did last night yeah. and like yeah. almost like a we can all relate to that hey fella <laughs> <laughs> Number of times I've woken up next to a statue. Wow. <laughs> I'm ready for the open <laughs> mic scene. <laughs> Took uh, this woman home, thought she was statuesque. Turns out she was just a statue. Wow, wow. Uh, she gave me some terrible head. Ah, uh, my penis hurt. <laughs> That's the last time I got stoned. Play me out, Jimmy. 
There's also, did you guys know that there's an alternate ending to this episode? No. That, that was like cut from broadcast? Because I knew I was, I was going to watch these episodes. I've tried not to pull too much from the Wikipedia page, but I found that there was an alternate ending that has like a slightly different message. So at the end, mm. when Bart's giving the speech, it's a lot longer. Like he justifies why he cut the head off. And he even says, it's not just a crime that I did this. It's a crime that you all didn't care until I cut the head off. And apparently yeah. they only ever broadcast it twice. And then they just <laughs> cut it because they're like, we don't want to inspire anything. <laughs> 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 Editing Bay LJ here to say that, yeah, in this part of the conversation, BT and I were a little bit confused because the version of the Telltale Head that we watched had this supposed alternate ending in it. But as it turns out, the version that is now available on Disney Plus is the one with the alternate extended ending. But the one on the DVD is cut. So there you go. That's the story behind that. That's clarified. And okay, back to the show. It's a much more divisive message, yeah. but it adds to the, the importance of the whole third act, which is like how people don't really care about tradition until it's threatened, which I think yeah. is a much more important message because that is what is like almost all of conservatism is built on mm. where it's like, we love this thing. But if you took it away, we probably wouldn't care about it. But we care about it now because you brought yeah. it up. And like, that's the entire point of the episode is that Bart does it for reasons that are not good. But then mm. he also brings it back for reasons that aren't that great at the end. And so it's, <laughs> yeah. they tried to have that cake and eat it too. And I think one of the Fox senses was like, nope. And then just cut that like completely. <laughs> well, yeah, because the version that we watched, it was like, uh, yeah, you took your heritage for granted. And it's like... did feel a little bit left field. <laughs> yeah, that's an yeah. odd button to put on this story. but And it is funny because it's just not the same argument we're having no. about statues now. And oh. so they, and they could have kind of had something to do that. Like if the Jebediah Springfield statue had like a bunch of rubbish around it or someone sees them throwing rocks at them and like only one person out of ten cares. Yeah, I yeah. didn't think that was a true assertion of his. Yeah, because when they're like, hey, you don't respect your heritage, like you got yelled at as soon as you hocked rocks at it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Back. And Bart knew who it was, and it wasn't like, yeah. So it was a very weird thing to pull <laughs> right at the end there. A weirdly educated Bart in this yeah. episode as well, citing exactly. history class. Remember at 1708 when Jebediah struggled with the bear? I'm like, yeah, okay, well. Oh, fuck, I love that dramatization where it's clearly <laughs> just a dude in a suit. <laughs> he drops an axe to fight him with his bare hands. Yeah, yeah. but the historians that... don't know if the bear killed him. Like, that's how bad Springfieldian <laughs> historians are. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of writing episodes, I gave a crack at writing one and it was Jebediah Springfield featured a little bit. So I had to do some research on what was the canon for him. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, they say he was killed by a bear, but scholars believe it was actually syphilis. Oh, that's right. That's that Lisa the Iconoclast? Is that the, the episode uh, of Donald Sutherland? No, Sutherland's? no, because that's diphtheria. The, oh my uh, God, <laughs> this infected person. <laughs> well, I mean, the past sucks, man. We've yeah, said it before. History is a terrible place to live. No, it's like the amount of stuff that they have built into the Jebediah Springfield lore. Yeah. Do they like at least talk about him in... From season 20 onwards? They Honestly, not really. I mean, what are you going to do? He's old and dead. Yeah, the statue comes up a bit, but yeah, I honestly think Lisa the Iconoclast was like the last big episode about Jebediah's history in the yeah. show. Yeah. I do want to know well, what the rules on that are, because even like with new writers and stuff that they bring on shows that have like 10 seasons, they'll give them a yeah. Bible. They'll test their knowledge yeah. on it and shit. Or if I wonder if it's like how during, when there were the Sony leaks in 2014, they leaked the document Marvel gave Sony about what they can and can't touch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. And I wonder if that's like the Simpsons where it's like, this is canon, this is locked in, don't fuck with I it. I kind because... of feel like no, because a lot of but things yeah, 
exactly. There's so time. much shit. Yeah. There's even Camp Crustier. Like, there's just certain yeah. things where it's like, there's so much that they could go back to well-wise, where it's like, mm. why not make another episode about the Springfield history? Because there's so much stuff that they set up in the Lemon of Troy, and this Shelbyville shit's really funny. Like, there's just certain things I wish they kind of explored. But then again, that'd probably ruin it, which is kind of what happens to some of no, these episodes no. that, that retcon this kind of shit. Well, that's it. It's... A weird thing where they're retconning a bunch of stuff, but they're also afraid to build new history, and they really haven't introduced many new characters where we'd get, like, a couple of new characters per season, but, yeah, we haven't really seen much of, yeah, building new stuff or digging deeper into the supposed history of the show. Mm But how about the heart of this episode? Did we feel the emotions when the when that head came down? Yeah. I, Where I, were you when? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was too much to have the second Bart cuts the head off. He goes, oh, what have I done? It's like, no, you thought you still thought this was a good idea. Yeah. But I do like when it starts, you know, talking to him, telltale heart style. Mm. And he even knows you're just by subconscious, like, oh, am I? He's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's There is so much heart and charm in this episode. It, it feels like... But there was so much in the first, I would say, four seasons that that have these episodes with emotional through lines, and it only really affects one character, and I think it's because it's so focused that you can really, really enjoy it. It's not afraid to bring in the other characters for jokes or perspectives, but it never shies away what the emotional core of the episode is about. So, like, I do agree with you. I think it is a little bit schmaltzy. I do think it's a little bit on the nose, just some of the lines, but then they really pull it back with just that self-awareness and that, that kind of meta humor. There's even like a meta joke at the end where they're like, mobs usually aren't that forgiving. And I love <laughs> that. I love that weird realism that the show... Yeah. Like Mr. Burns has the line of, suddenly I don't feel like killing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Bart trying to be popular with these mm-hmm. uh, with these rough hoodlums. Rapscallions t- might even... Thank- I mean, they, they were set up... Is this the first time we see Kearney, Dolphin, Jimbo? Yep. Yep. Yeah. They didn't have their full <laughs> names, which uh, would turn out to be Jimbo Jones, Kearney Zizwicks, spelt Z-Z-Y-Z-W-I-C-Z, and Dolph Starbeam. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just, they're really good, like, secondary characters because they really mm. are, they're like a very good extreme for the morals of Bart. Yeah. Same thing with Nelson, same thing with Milhouse. Like, it really shows where Bart is on the spectrum of, like, how bad is America's bad boy, really? Yeah. Now the shit that he does, and obviously South Park kind of makes fun of this, is like, and he's bad for a fucking George Bush senior America, yeah. but like compared to what adult animation kind of became over the years. Yeah. In his own words, just wants to be a petty thug. Yeah, it. yeah. It's... <laughs> but did it feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Are these the characters we know and love? I mean, sort of. It's the developmental stage still. But you've got, you know, Homer is the flawed patriarch. This is version one Homer. Yeah. Um, and it's, like you said, that first season's real rocky. And and this yeah. is one of the episodes that really shows that for better or worse. Like, it's, yeah. there's so much potential there. It's just like mm. looking at the animation style, the, like the audio, like the way that the voice actors really put a lot of heart and character into what they do. It's astounding that literally a season from now, we would have the Treehouse of Horror Raven episode. Yeah. Seven minute animated segment, which is a 
animated version of a poem I don't think most people cared about in 1991. No. <laughs> so it's very good. It does feel like a Simpsons episode, but I'm, I'm going to agree with you. It doesn't feel like what Gold Era or Platinum Era yeah. Simpsons or Foundation Era stuff, Simpsons. You know. Yeah, exactly. No, definitely. Like, I do feel disappointed about the way that Marge is written in this episode. Mm-hmm. And again, coming back to the Ullman shorts where she was just nothing but a disciplinarian parent. And mm-hmm. like because of that, she doesn't feel that like dynamic with in this episode but also it's fairly central on Bart anyway yeah and yeah yeah I'm gonna agree with you except for the final act when she confronts Homer about did you have something to do with this I mm. love just that line just that one line Julie Kavner is able to be just knowing that this is something that Homer has done like it's <laughs> yeah. great because obviously it leads to Homer helping Bart like it's yeah it's this weird level of paternal responsibility you kind of don't see in real life it's really an only a sitcom <laughs> i like the fact that there's this shared responsibility not just between homer and marge but homer and bart in something i guess it's still extreme that's the weird thing is that 30 years on from this episode mm-hmm. it's weirdly relevant like that's why i was so glad yeah. when you chose this episode like i think it was just as the the protests were happening in the united states and i'm like we got to talk about this. <laughs> Three white guys are going to talk about this. <laughs> Hell yeah. But no, I mean, it's funny because, yeah, we're getting the bleed from that in Australia mm. as well. And like, oh, yeah, yeah, talks of, yeah, pulling down the Captain Cook statues. And seriously, everybody, go for it. Um, yeah, just but- fucking, just take a real good run at it. No one gives a shit at this point. Again, it's that same thing where it's like, until you think you're threatened, no yeah. one gives a fuck. No one yeah, no, visits. No one walked like, past those so statues and was like, oh, yes, that's General What's-His-Face who blah, blah, blah. No one fucking did. I that. wouldn't know this fact if there wasn't a big iron bit of art there. <laughs> I just really like that maybe three or four years ago there was a whole movement about removing confederate statues and you know tried to do things peacefully and calmly mm. and now people are just like nope fuck it pull it down yeah fuck yeah. it tear them down I don't like, need the again, keys if you break in yeah exactly I don't I don't give a fuck about the dude who was so dumb that he died in Hawaii after founding a country. Which he didn't even found. Like, it's shit, there's a real fucking good episode of Drunk History that talks about Captain Cook. And I learned really? more from that episode of Drunk History than any lesson I ever had in history. I was like, oh, this guy fucking sucks, dude. Like, it's just... He's our Christopher Columbus story, but yeah. at least there's, like, Columbus Day? Like, there's no Captain Cook Day. Like, it's just... It's just bad. It's just bad all over. And I think that this episode really gets to the, especially watching that alternate ending, it really was just like, that's the thing is like statues are great for historical purposes, but it was before we had proper book binding and the yeah. internet. So now they're kind of just like bad art pieces. Oh <laughs> <laughs> fucking real. <laughs> Welcome to Bad Art Pieces. Today, <laughs> this fucking thing. Ew. This racist dude who we decide to memorialize. I don't think oh. outside of like, there's some dope European statues, but they're never yeah. of anyone. There's one that's like sits on a fucking hill somewhere. There's like yeah. a woman, the statue sits on a hill. She's on a plinth. She's literally 20 feet tall holding a sword and just with her mouth agape and wearing like a Viking hat. And I'm like, that's a good fucking statue. Yeah, that's like that's, that's something if I looked at that on a hill every day I'm like yeah I'm not fucking with you like that's fu-. like all of our statues are like 
I wear clothes and I got a hat. Like, that's all it is. It's just British dudes who are like, I had a bit more money and a boat. We honour the men who were able to attain coats and hats. (laughs) I went to the hat store today and I got myself a hat, also a genocide. In 1750, he wore a very good coat. Look at it. God, that's a nice cut. But I think this episode does do a good job of, like, kind of putting a magnifying glass on the ridiculousness of caring this much about a statue with everybody just so mournful. And even Lisa, like, oh my God, can I go to school right now? Yeah, well, like, even the bullies yeah. who are like, eh, you know, we were just talking. We weren't really saying that for real. That was just cloud talk, man. <laughs> that was cloud talk. It's such a fucking good joke. This is one of the first early lore episodes about Springfield. Yeah. It's Jebediah, it's the townsfolk. We get a real good look at the people in the church as well as Lovejoy like it's Mm -hmm. such a really again not perfect very very good but not perfect but it's such a fundamental like groundwork yeah exactly it really established itself where it's like this could be any town in America and those characters really do feel fleshed out Barney yeah. feels fleshed out. Mo feels fleshed out. Reverend Lovejoy, Burns. I don't. I, have we seen Burns before that point? Uh yeah. Burns had appeared before. Interesting. I think uh, he was definitely voiced by Harry Shearer by this point. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The first couple of Burns episodes were yeah. uh, some guy named Charles. I forget his last name. Some fucker called Charles. But just oh, while really? Yeah, yeah. He's like the Pete Best of the series. Yeah, Simpsons. yeah. Mr. Burns was Pete Bested. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There was. Um, yeah, the first two episodes was not Harry Shearer. Was someone else. I did not know that because there's an extra line in the alternate ending i don't know if it was in your cut where burns literally turns to smithers and he goes i love you smithers and smithers goes the feelings mutual i'm like is that the first because he he says the feelings more than mutual or something like that some kind of like were they they planting this that early that's crazy Uh, yeah Yeah. it's oh yeah just uh, on other first time character appearances this is the first appearance of crusty's in in the series proper really he was in the simpsons shorts though Mm. yeah first sideshow bob and ooh, very off model oh yeah (laughs) he lost a lot of weight in his skull between you know, like now and later. And yeah, this is also the first appearance of Apu Nahasapim Petalon. Oh, really? Yep, first ah. Apu. And also first Mrs. Albright, the Sunday school teacher, who kind of got dropped off in season yeah, three. Yeah, she pops up every now and then, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really do like the little animation touch where, because most animation is just super easy, it's like the glasses are kind of glued on to some degree, mm. like yeah. other character, but the glasses are separately animated from her eyes, and it's yeah. such a nice little detail. I was like, fuck, again, it's like some Disney shit. Especially when she's tired and she's just like, no, okay, for the last time, the ventriloquist goes to heaven, <laughs> the dummy doesn't. <laughs> the oh, apes so question good. is so good. Again, ah. <laughs> uh, Oh, man. Acting up in Sunday school is, is the best shit ever because you can't get detention. You just go home. <laughs> you just go. <laughs> you just go to hell. You just, yeah, you go to hell or you go home. It's one of those two. <laughs> I mean, at this point, we've kicked enough bad Simpsons episodes into hell that I don't want to go there anymore. Yeah, it's not good to see that the DVD shelf is just season 20 onward. (laughs) You realise we just created a system by which people now know how to torture us? Why did we do that? (laughs) They have a whole spreadsheet of how to piss us off now. (laughs) But yes or no, would you watch this episode again? Yeah, sure. 100%. I was almost hesitant when you were like, we're going to watch an old episode, because that Mm. first season, again, it's rocky. Still good. Still fucking, I really liked it. But I think it's, you know, it's a comparison to the other two episodes. Yeah, yeah. Stunning. BT, what would you like to change about this episode? 
Hmm. I kind of don't like Bart's final speech, especially when he talks about, hey, you didn't appreciate this. Like, like just yeah. lay, lay a few more seeds for that. It is weird that the only reference we have to it is how much Bart knows about it and how much all these people around yeah. him respect the statue when they're throwing rocks at it. So, you know, just a little bit of something of them not, so that makes sense or change it for something else. It's like, it bugs me because that's just a very odd little moment. Um, other than that... Tell me what this thing is made of. What's its weight <laughs> density? Uh, how strong is Bart? You know, questions like this bother me. I'm going to say chocolate and... <laughs> chocolate would make... But then how does it clang? How does it clang, Elliot? <laughs> chocolate, famously, doesn't clang. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not even the ones that's like, that look like gold coins. <laughs> but we know that it's hollow. I was going to say if it was like a proper thick mm. like statue. Because the only reason it clangs is because it's hollow. It doesn't make yeah. any sense otherwise. Right. Yeah. They throw rocks at it. It's a very deep clang. That must be a yeah. heavy goddamn statue. And what would you like to change, Harrison? Yeah, I do agree with you about that. I would also... I really wanted to know why Lisa was sad. I, I guess because she's a she's like a big fan of history. Mm-hmm. She probably doesn't yeah. know any better. I, I guess that is kind of like her arc to some degree. If you want to talk about like season to season, she becomes yeah. a lot more skeptical and curious. For sure, but at this point, Jebediah Springfield is thought of as the absolute hero that everyone assumes. He, yeah. I mean, they don't have the noblest, ma- the little up soul and begins the note, whatever. Fuck, I can fuck that up. <laughs> but they don't have those words yet. But so that we still know he's a iconic hero. So. Yeah, that's true. I, I like. I would have loved an extra joke about mm. Jebediah and his history. Also, the one thing that really doesn't work all the way through the episode it works for the first and second act but there's no final follow-through with homer he wins 150 dollars, and then mm-hmm. he's gonna buy a bowling ball yep. he never really there's like no arc to his character except for the i mean like what he that's tells like to buy saying when are they gonna get to the fireworks factory <laughs> i know <laughs> really i know <laughs> like it's, they don't give home like that's the weird thing especially the, considering the last two episodes Homer doesn't get that much to do in this episode, except for give Bart the terrible advice. Like, I think that it's kind of interesting to see him take a real backseat. For some reason, I remember when I was watching it as a kid and I was real dumb. I think I was like maybe 10 when I first saw this episode. I thought the ending of the episode was Homer buys the bowling ball. And they replace the head of Jebediah Fields <laughs> with the bowling ball, and they just accept it because it's also big and heavy and hollow. I thought that's what they were going to do. Just what, gave yourself a false memory. That's yeah. It was. Just I kind of like... like that though. It's like very Bojack, you know, stealing the D and just calling the place Holy Woo from now on. Just yeah. Imagine if the rest of the Simpsons just had this Jebediah statue with a fucking bowling ball. Oh, yeah, I would. The rest of the series, all the the pans across the city, just has Jebediah bowling ball face. <laughs> There he is, our town's founder, and his head is has a liquid center. Because, <laughs> <laughs> again, he goes into so much detail about the bowling balls, and he's showing Maggie the magazine. I was like, yeah. oh, there's no real follow-up there. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't trust 30-year-old me, let alone 10-year-old me, to yeah. write a Simpsons episode. Because, no. again, I love this ending. This ending is so good. The book ending, the meta jokes in mm. there, I, I really... Yeah. yeah, I question the function of the... I guess you're wondering how I got here, but maybe it's just because I'm so over that as a fucking device. It's Mm -hmm. just, like Morty says, why don't the story start where they start? (laughs) 
But like, as far as other changes go, yeah, I agree about the ending. And you mentioned the bowling balls, and that's such a good point. Yeah, that's kind of a bit of wasted time. And I kind of do feel like this episode was pretty short as far as like content goes. And maybe it's just because it's product of the time. But yeah, like long intro, so. long intro as well. But it was really lacking jokes for me, and mm. the jokes that it did had were sensational. But they were more of that mm-hmm humor rather than that mm. ha ha. Yeah. yeah. More aha than haha. All right, well, we're almost at the end of our review, and I've got to quickly look over my notes, but BT, I need you to take over and ask our guest, what is just the most important question we ask? So, I mean, Harrison, you've been a fan of the show. I assume you know this is coming, but if you could have a sandwich named after you, what would be on that sandwich? And if oh, that man. question is too hard, because, dear God, that's a hard question... Simplify it to what's the best sandwich? Okay, so I oh man, I've always wanted a Harrison sandwich to be so simple. Mm. I want it to be extravagant, but I also I don't. I want it yeah. to be actually something you would fucking eat because I. That's one thing. I went to New York a couple of years ago, had the worst time ever. But I went to Tom's restaurant, which is the the restaurant that's in Seinfeld. Yeah. Yep, it has the best menu ever because it's just so simple. You can literally just order like. Crackers, soup, and a burger, and that's 10 bucks, and you eat, and you're in and out. But nice. we went to, like, another restaurant, and it's, like, a bunch of fucking famous people are there. All these ridiculous, like, have the Chevy Chase. It's, like, seven different types of cheese and, like, two different, like, types of... And it's, like, who the fuck would order that? <laughs> so I've thought about this a lot. Yep. And what it would be, it would be two separate layers. You've got meatballs all the way through, like, a regular sub, six-inch mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. foot long. Don't care, but it has to be the actual length. It has to be actually six inches yeah, obviously. or a foot long. We're accepting no um, substitutes. Then you've got simple layer cheddar cheese, mm-hmm. and then you've got just wonderful, classic smoked ham. Just smoked uh-huh. ham right through the middle, and then finally you've got the mozzarella at the bottom, mm-hmm. and then you just toast that for, like, two I was about to say, is that toast? Now, key question, are these meatballs, like, saucy? Yes. Oh man. Yeah. There's like it's it's marinara that drips okay. through the cheese. Follow up like question. How many yes. napkins will I need? <laughs> Seventeen. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's a sandwich. <laughs> that's, that's a sandwich where like after you've made it, you feel proud because that's... Yeah, we've we've discussed Elliot and I before that having a sandwich restaurant, but everything is ranked on terms of how many napkins you're gonna need to contain it. Oh yeah. hell yeah. <laughs> so like you walk in and get, like give me the six napkin like. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking pretty down. Looks like a 10 napkin sort of day. Oh, you better believe. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's the crazy thing is that if you did that and you had like a recycling program, it would be the <laughs> dopest fucking restaurant. Because you'd be like, look, we're environmentally friendly, but also look Drippy at this fuck ranking sandwich. system. <laughs> yeah. Oh, With man. dipping sauces, motherfucker. And you could have like a recyclable bib and like just because, ah, oh, man, anytime I go to a restaurant, I wish I had a bib. I know it sounds so childish and <laughs> shitty, but it doesn't matter where it's like, I don't want to leave no, this place. You want to eat with I've reckless been. abandon. That's what oh, we God, miss yeah. about being children. Yeah, that's what I love about going to a good ribs place. It's the closest I'm going to get yeah. to eating like a bunch of cavemen. They're like, here's a bowl of water. Here's a different bowl of water. Here's like a wet napkin. Yeah. Here's a steamed napkin. You're going to need that. And here's a bulletproof vest of a bib. Yeah. Go hog wild on this hot wild hog. Nice. Self five. All right. Time for final notes. BT, what you got? This one had like a little, you could see the title pop up. Does that happen a lot in the early seasons? I can't no. remember. No. No. It's happened a handful of times. I'd yeah. say five times max. But yeah, it's always odd when it happens. Yeah. It's just, it just feels so out of place. But I mean, not against it. It's just odd. Uh, I do like when Bart's like, I need to tell you this story. Like, well, how long is the story going to take? Yeah. Uh, 23 minutes and five seconds. <laughs> I love that. I love mm-hmm. that joke so fucking much. Yep. So if a guy got his leg had to be cut off because it was gangrenous, would be waiting for 
glory of in heaven once again bart yes <laughs> oh that's what i wanted to say before about yeah the sunday school questions because like and i love how they're not addressing it directly but there is something horribly dark about no children your parents were uh, your pet fuck your pets your pets won't go to heaven but mm. you will and it's but my dog fluffy yeah, yeah. No, once when i was a kid i asked my nan like if you go to heaven but a friend of yours doesn't uh you know isn't that gonna suck and like oh, i guess you just won't remember them anymore I'm like that's fucking horrifying <laughs> that's way worse that's <laughs> so you're gonna much tear worse. my memory away so i won't be sad yeah. oh god but it, oh, rock, no, his memory. <laughs> but it reminds me of a conversation i was having with my ex once and she was christian and yeah i agnostic atheist whatever and i was telling her about like my my dog who'd passed away a few years earlier and that dog had three legs my dad named her butcher because of course he did because <laughs> your dad's a funny man that is a good name and i was sort of telling her like i mean i hadn't had any religious experiences but once i had a dream after she died and i was still pretty sad about it at the time but mm -hmm. in the dream she had four legs and i was like look if there is ever a soul i'm like that was a moment where i'm like okay yeah that was nice and i felt comforted by mm -hmm. that and she yeah. just goes oh honey animals don't have souls they wouldn't be in heaven and i'm like fuck you <laughs> just show <laughs> that documentary oh. old, old dogs go old to, dogs heaven. Go to yes. heaven <laughs> charlie sheen doesn't lie yep much it's oh, um, man there's a bit where they say, you know, they steal some things and they say five-finger discount. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's That really would be, weird. like, gibberish to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, do they say four-finger or five-finger? No, five. They say five in this. Just both Ellie oh, and I look at each other like, ah. Yeah. And my final note is in that documentary, they're like, and then he killed the bear with his bear hands. That's B-A-R-E. <laughs> yeah, that clarification is such a yeah. good <laughs> Oh, those are the sorts of jokes I love in this episode. And my final notes... Homer's like, is the leaning tower of pizza just a statue? Yeah. See, you think that's like the joke because he's saying pizza, not pizza. But it, no, it's not a statue. It's a tower. <laughs> he mentions another statue. No, he mentions the Statue, statue of, of Liberty. Liberty. Yeah. And I like that, that Homer's argument falls apart with what he says. But there's so much like... Again, there's like passion behind. Like, yeah. uh, it's it's like there should be a flag like, waving behind him. For and, yeah, like, and the wind blowing through the what the hair he has left. Also, Homer sounds so different in this episode yeah. as as does a lot of the episodes. Oh, all the bullies do not mm. sound like what oh, they God, do these yeah. days. <laughs> so well, different. But yeah, the only other note I actually had production wise was uh, there's this weird effect with a lot of the mouth movements in the crowd shots mm -hmm. where they've mm. sort of done the layering where they've drawn the solid top of the head yeah. but they've animated the mouth around it and it has this weird effect <laughs> where it looks like you know dr poison from wonder woman where <laughs> she's wearing that uh, like right. mouth mask took me a while to remember that movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. no i know i noticed that too in the in the chief wiggum scene where their yeah. mouths stop talking just before they cut to Chief Wiggum. And yeah. it threw me off, but I was like, well, when when Klasky Cupo were doing the animation mm. for that, they were like really cutting corners. I also remember when there's an episode in season maybe nine or ten, and it's a courtroom scene, and Bart's in the background, and clearly what has happened is they haven't put the plate of his head on the right cell. And so there's a sequence where... Bart's head is missing for a frame, and then when they cut to the next shot, his head is just grinning in the middle of the crowd, and it's so terrifying. <laughs> like, I'm amazing, because given the amount of, like, shitty, creepy pasta bullshit about The Simpsons that's been created yeah. over the years, use that shit. That shit yeah. is like an animation error that they never fixed. Like, it's, ah, yeah. oh, man. Just Simpsons straight it's on It's haunting me thinking about it. Yeah, there it's, oh, man. 
there are so many creepy frontons in this. And also creepy crowd shots. There's this guy that looks like he's made out of marshmallows. And <laughs> All right, it's time to rank this thing. And Harrison, you have the honour of doing the first ranking for this one. Oh, fuck. Because I, I wrote down cubic zirconium. Bro. I really, wow. really want to give it cubic zirconium, but it's like a dull cubic zirconium. It's so good. It's very, very good, but I don't think it's the best of the episodes. I think, I think, I think there are other way better episodes in the first season, like um, the Babysitter episode and obviously Bart the General. Yeah. yeah, Bart the General is still peak, I think. Those ones are like, yeah, top tier stuff. This is just below that. It's There's just so many little things that could make it uh, better and, and funnier, but it's just, it, I wish... I wish it was just that little bit better, but I still enjoyed mm. myself. So that's a gold, just to clarify? Oh, yes. Let's say gold. Let's say gold, because <laughs> I feel like you're going to do gold as well. <laughs> I was close, but I'm giving it a silver, and it's just... And I kind of want to give it more, because I like a lot of what it was doing, but just from, like, especially the perspective of comparing it with other Simpsons, and especially in this season, yeah. where, like, mm. I want to give it a bit more leeway, but also at the same time, I just found myself wishing... God, I wish it was funnier, but yeah. like I've said enough glowing things about it already, BT. Yeah, I'm on a silver as well. Um, it's just, there's nothing really wrong with it, but it's a good foundational episode. But yeah, it's not quite as funny. They've obviously not hit their stride yet. It's hard to fault it for not being what it would become. But just in terms of pure entertainment, it's a bit short, but it also feels a bit slow. And uh, yeah, but it's a good episode. I'm still quite impressed how well it holds up. All right, guys. Well, yeah, that about does it for the Simpsons Index. But yeah, Harrison, thank you for very much for doing this tonight. This is a lot I'm of fun. I'm sorry, it's a real yeah. long episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but no, I mentioned at the start of the episode, you know, you're doing your YouTube channel, Harrison by the Stream, but uh, we became familiar with you through your work on Twitch as well. Oh, yeah. No, well, that's, I mean, obviously, it's it's been really good. Like, I told myself that if I got made redundant, I would do Twitch a lot more often and the fact mm -hmm. that i i can go live like three four times a week and mm -hmm. like just have dozens of people just hang out and watch i i really appreciate it i'm mainly at the moment playing ai dungeon which is literally a game hey, I that... play AI dungeon <laughs> oh it's so good and i, I really want to i don't know if i could write it out on tax i want to justify getting premium so i can get the um the dragon model, which is the, the mm. sort of the upgraded version of the, the AI that it's built on. If it was a one-off payment, I would, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> totally. If I could just pay 20 bucks to have AI Dungeon forever, I would yep. just do that. 100%. So yeah, I, I mainly playing at the moment, it's AI Dungeon and Tony Hawk's Underground Pro, which is a, a modded version of Tony Hawk's Underground 2 that has been just kept afloat for about five wow. years from the community. It has almost every single... Tony Hawk's level from 1998 all the way up to 2008. Wow. You're kidding. Um, and it <laughs> wow. has an online multiplayer segment where you and seven other friends can just play to your heart's content doing trick attack, all sorts of stuff. It's very awesome. It's very good. Yeah, I just I just grew out of Animal Crossing, so I needed a new addiction. <laughs> so it's just been it's been an hour or two hours of that every single Three, four days of, of my week has been that but yeah i'm currently obviously uh with harrison by the stream as well as my own channel harrison engstrom that is where i'm currently uploading video essays and sketches it's been quite fascinating because now i have a patreon and people are supporting me on a monthly basis to make content which is insane to me oh nice one hmm. yeah uh, what's it's the been... patreon where can they find you on patreon okay it's uh patreon.com slash help harrison 
Well, no, I mean, yeah, love all the essays you're making at Harrison by the stream, and yeah, love the Twitch channel Toadsfid, yeah, and um, doing your Jackbox streams mm-hmm. where, yeah, absolute joys. Oh, it's it's a lot of fun. I, again, I'm nothing without an audience. That's that's <laughs> that's what I learned three years of stand up to no, barely I'm, anybody. But uh, BT, if they want to check out more of us, where can they do that? Well, they can also listen to our other podcast, Thrones of Game. This is a Game of Thrones podcast that dares to watch the series backwards. So I've already Holy seen the shit. entire show, but. <laughs> Elliot J. O'Neill had never seen a single episode until we started watching in reverse order. Gives us a unique perspective. We figured out where exactly where Game of Thrones went wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're up to season four now, and uh, yeah, it's some good fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thrones That's... of Game. How do you... Oh my god, I... Uh... Alright, cool, I got something to listen to on my walk tomorrow. That's crowley. Because, uh watching... Because I fell out of Game of Thrones at season five, but mm-hmm. my housemates loved it to death. And I got a free Foxtel subscription oh, right. when the last season was airing. Mm-hmm. And watching their disappointment for that last episode <laughs> was some of the best shot and fraud I've ever had in my fucking yeah. life. And I love these people. They're wonderful. They're lovely housemates. I was a terrible housemate, but watching them watch that show was like, I got out at a good time. I felt, well, I felt like I got out at a good time. I don't know where you, how you guys feel at uh, season four at the moment. Well, the show's getting good, which is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, for now, yeah, that about wraps it up here. Once again, Harrison, thank you very much. Uh, BT, Elliot, thank you so much for having me on this. It's it's It felt real good to just talk about anything that wasn't related <laughs> to Death Wish. <laughs> Glad to give you a bit of relief. Thank you, BT. It was nice to pull a few burners with you guys. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I'm your host, Elliot J. O'Neill. That's all the mustard in the house. Thank you for listening to The Simpsons Index Podcast, which is also an online spreadsheet available at thesimpsonsindex.com. You can chat to us online at facebook.com slash thesimpsonsindex or at simpsonsindex on Twitter or Instagram. Now there's no bonus scenes for this episode, so we'll catch you next week. And don't forget to listen to Pulp Fury Radio.